This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is Mike at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is the Obsessive Viewer's uh, 87th Academy Awards nominee showcase episode <laughs> from ObsessiveViewer.com. <laughs> and that was totally freeballing. okay it was good yeah thanks yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what's up well on my you, notes i have a different i have a different number for the episode and it's all you're, out of whack you're, you're, you're doing you're doing good doing good <laughs> god i mean it was no oscar worthy performance oh, oh hey. topical yeah <laughs> you mike but i love <laughs> this episode by the way i do too i i love it for the communal effort Mm-hmm. Of it because I I really love interacting with other podcasts, um, mm-hmm. and also you know just uh, like with the Oscars are just kind of a farce in and of themselves. But I like to make it, I like the discussion about it and making it interesting. I guess right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there are, and we've said this kind of in in various ways over over the episodes on this podcast. I think we said it last year. Just it's it's really really difficult to to take the Oscars completely seriously. Mm-hmm. But just the discourse that we engage in throughout is fun for us. We we basically find ways to make it fun for ourselves. And I also believe that there is something to when a movie that you really liked wins an award, there's validation in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's what I get out of the whole thing. Very good, very true, very true. Right, and there's a lot of like validation when when certain movies get almost completely snubbed, and they only get nominated for a, a category that was a point of controversy for them. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so you get kind of validated in that in that way. We'll talk more about that later in the episode, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so vague. Oh, oh, tiny. Oh, tiny. Uh, yeah. Oh, Matt. Anyways. <sighs> Oh, Captain, my Captain? Uh, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, for first-time listeners, this is the Obsessive Viewer. We are a weekly uh, movie and TV podcast that covers a, a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, every episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and check us out on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or really anywhere else that uh, podcasts are available to you. And we lost Mike, and I'm waiting for Oh, there he is. Okay. I'm back. Um, so, having said that, this is our... Um, Oscar nomination showcase episode where we invite friends from other podcasts to submit clips um, discussing certain categories and then we'll we'll take the ball on on other categories. Um, So basically, it's a non-traditional episode for us. And um, do you guys just want to get right into it or do you want to talk a little bit more about the Oscars themselves or how do you guys want to proceed? I think think things we want to say will come naturally. I say we go for it. Uh-huh. Right. Okay, cool. Well, Mike, you are taking point on the uh nomination rundown, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh so the first category is best documentary features. Uh so what are the nominees for those? Right. The nominees for that are <laughs> <laughs> Best Documentary Feature. The nominees are Citizen Four, Finding Vivian Meyer, Last Days in Vietnam, The Salt of the Earth, and Virunga. And I have to admit right away that I haven't seen any of these movies, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna listen. Okay, I haven't seen any either. Tiny, how about you? I've seen four out of five. 
Really? Nice. No, I haven't seen any of them. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> save the episode. But I saw some stuff about the last days in Vietnam, and it sounds really cool. What all do you know about it? Uh, it's about Vietnam. Okay. Is it about like the end so the of... next category? Is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about. I think it's about like the drawdown of trying to get right. people out of uh, huh. the embassy in Saigon. Interesting. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, you guys, are you guys familiar with Citizen Four at all? No. Negative. I don't know much of anything about it except that it's it. I feel I think it's a kind of hard hitting uh, documentary about uh, Edward Snowden and the whole NSA kind of thing. Ah, um, right, right. It's got a lot of buzz, but I mean, I think I proved in last year's Oscar nominations uh, show that I don't know about documentaries <laughs> in terms of Oscars. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Um, yeah, neither do I. It's a it's a category every year where I just I'm <laughs> I get a little embarrassed. So usually in my group of friends, um, you know, n- n- not a whole lot of the people who watch the Oscars with me are on a podcast about movies and TVs. So right. <laughs> I'll say without trying to sound too full of myself, but um, <laughs> I always feel a little a little sheepish and a little stupid when it comes to documentary because I honestly have no idea and uh, and hopefully I'll in the in the forthcoming years I'll watch a few more documentaries but i i don't know well right and, and even in the the modern age of video on demand and and illegal downloads all that stuff it's really hard to find documentary features in that's the theater. true it yeah. is they're yeah. hard to, they're hard to see it's oh, yeah. just yep. hard to get to them you have yeah. to go to kind of like art house theaters that kind of run right. special uh promotions and stuff like that right and even a lot of these won't be wide released until months from now yeah and that you know? that's kind of the interesting thing is that like in our best of 2014 episode tiny you talked about how you watched like 70 documentaries last year yeah and none of them are nominated yeah <laughs> so that's kind of i feel like that's kind of maybe the Which goes to show that tiny's not watching the right movies basically <laughs> it's all my fault yeah. right or that the 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 kind of time frame for documentaries to, for consideration is a little bit right. separated from the main categories. Right. right. All right. So anyway, listeners, we we won't bother you with uh, any more best documentary stuff. Come back next year for our in-depth discussion of best documentary feature <laughs> at the Oscars for 2015. So uh, apologies to that. But we'll move on to something probably a little more interesting, uh, the best visual effects category. Uh, and this is actually by the guys at Intermission Podcast. So go ahead and listen to this. And for the visual effects category, your nominations are Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, and X-Men Days of Future Past. All quite good candidates, you could say. Yeah, so we've got Captain America. Yep. Which we all know and love. Yep. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. is it the most visual? No. It's no. You're right. Not the most. No. It could very, have been very a radio good. Play. Marvel, you know, quality like they always do, but yes. And then we have Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Which I think we can all agree is visually stunning. Yes. Yes. Corey, what it was are your pretty thoughts? Good. Um, I think the improvements that they make in the motion cap part of it, like um what they do with that is very amazing. Yeah. And I know Guy made a statement earlier. I, I got to pick it just because those monkeys look so freaking real. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, I mean, you would think they're all real monkeys. I mean, it's that top-notch 
I mean, I don't see, I don't see how it could get any better. But I know we've been saying that for years, and it keeps on getting better. But Jesus, I mean, that's, I thought it was really good. Did we talk about how they wanted to see if Andy Circus could get an Oscar for his performance? Mm, they didn't no. know if it could qualify or not. Why couldn't it qualify? Because it's, I guess it's CG. Yeah. Hmm. Even though he does the motion capture for the performance, it's like overlayered with. CG. Yeah, but I mean, it's him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think right. he deserves it. I so, mean, he's done some great. So this kind of leads us into our next one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Could Vin Diesel get nominated for Groot? <laughs> That's true. Mm. <laughs> Good. Not, not that he should. <laughs> Good question. I, I tell you what, Guardians is right there with Planet Apes. I no, mean, this, but, uh, guy, this isn't about what movie you no, like. No, I'm I'm this is about visual effects. Yeah, I, I, I don't think is. they're. I don't think Guardians is quite that good visual special, effects wise. Special effects wise, yeah. I, I don't even think it belongs in this category. It, oh, it's, it's not. That's going a it, crazy. It's definitely talk. not top notch CG. I don't think. Really, Josh? Yeah. What say you? But didn't you see the part where they were all purpley and stuff? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Come yeah. on, Josh. You don't. You, you're not going to give this one your vote, are you? Dude, Rocket no, Raccoon no, looked phenomenal. I mean, I oh, thought geez, I looked... thought it was better than what you guys are saying. Did I he mean... look like a real raccoon? Yeah, yeah, he did. We met Groot at Comic Con. It's yeah. true. And yeah, that wasn't even CG. That's true. Yeah, I I mean, I get playing Apes a little bit of nod over Guardians, but Guardians is right there. I mean, to say it's not, I think I hate to quote Guy King, but. It. Those monkeys looked real. Yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> I, I think Planet of the Apes definitely has an edge over Guardians. Yeah. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. and then we have Interstellar. This is where I'm torn. I'm torn between Planet of the Apes and Interstellar because Interstellar was visually stunning. Yes, it was. Yeah. Interstellar gets my vote. I would probably have to go with Interstellar as well. Is that the last movie on the list? No, no. Oh, X Men: okay. Days of Future Past. Ooh, Ooh which I just watched last night. Mm -hmm. Oh, you finally watched it. Yeah. Nice. But again, I mean, it was it was good, but look at Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And Interstellar. Yeah. They are just so many steps ahead of everything else on this list. Yeah. Uh they were beginning to end. I mean effects, essentially. Yeah. So I mean just the things that they did in both of those to me just blew the the rest of them out of the water. Yeah. I think Guardians and X-Men, I think they were great, but they were great in kind of a different way. Mm -hmm. um, to me, they were more cartoony to, to where Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Interstellar were more of a real effects. Well, I, I see your point there. Yeah. And to me, that realism is what pulls them ahead for me. Yeah. Um, for me, Win an Oscar for visual effects, it has to be yeah. the gotta most be, impressive. It's got to be better than Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, I've seen cartoons that were pretty impressive, but do they belong in this list? No. Yeah. So for me, Donna Planet of the Apes. That's that's probably my pick. Yeah. Uh I think I'd still probably have to go with Interstellar. Yeah, I'm I'm with Interstellar. Really? All right, so it's a tie. Both of them are getting an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the first time ever. I mean Interstellar, yeah, it's really good, but there's not a whole whole lot. I mean in the what beginning do you mean there's not a whole whole well, lot. Well in the ending there is, but like the first part of the movie there's really none. So, like, yeah, it's really good when it's there, but... No, it started right at the beginning, yeah, Guy. Yeah. Yeah, Guy. Yeah. You must have watched a different movie. No, I was there right there with you Did guys. you watch Apollo 13? <laughs> I love that movie. 
Um, I would say even like the, uh, wasn't there a dust storm in that movie? Exactly. Yeah, that was right from the get go. Yeah. Ooh, a dust storm. That's not hard to do. Well, it's God, you don't know anything. I've done dust storms <laughs> for movies for the last 10 years. Oh, you and your toaster? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and the leaf blur I hooked it up to. It's when, it's when the, uh, the crumb tray gets full. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Mom, Mom burns it. a lot of toast. All right, so that's your visual effects category. <laughs> um, and it's going to be a tie yeah. between Dawn and the Planet of the Apes and Interstellar. It's a win-win. Has there ever been a tie in the Oscars? Oh, that's a good question, guy. Mm. I don't find out I next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that, Josh? I said I don't think so. Uh, I don't nah. think so. Think Ninja Turtles should get a nod somewhere. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> that's the intermission podcast from MovieGuys.org, and that's your visual effects category. You're welcome. <laughs> no one thanked you, guy. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, somewhere, guy. dude. So yeah, that clip was courtesy of Intermission Podcast, which you can find at movieguys.org. Uh, they're a great bunch of guys. I like I I love listening to them. And uh, Craig has been on our show before on the movie experience, uh, best movie theater experiences too. Uh, so real quick, what are, what are your guys' picks for this category? Uh, I would like to pick Captain America, but I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes just kind of has it. Dawn, gotta go with Dawn. Yeah, it's same here. Amazing technology. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Easy enough. Thank you, Intermission Podcast. And links in the show notes to find them. Yeah. Next category, guys. We kind of put them together, so we'll do this quickly, but this is us again. Uh, it's best sound editing and sound mixing. So I'll start by uh, – usually the, the, the nominees are the same. There's a few different ones, but this year they're, they're kind of contrasting. So uh, be patient with me as I go through them. For sound editing, we have American Sniper, Birdman, The Hobbit, Episode 3. Interstellar and Unbroken. You guys want to go picks now? Um, because mine are different. My picks are different. Yeah, Damn. I, I don't know. I, I with sound editing, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, mine is American Sniper for sound editing. Okay, I, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could probably get behind that, I guess. <laughs> it's tough because none of us liked the movie. I know. That much. That, that's yeah. like the one category that I would I would give it is sound yeah. editing. Me too. So sound mixing is American Sniper, Birdman, Interstellar, Unbroken, and Whiplash. Can I just say one thing real quick? Sure. What the f*** is Interstellar doing in this category? <laughs> like seriously, the people were complaining about – like there is yeah. – I saw it twice in theaters. There is a scene at a key moment in the movie, in the big climax of the movie. I have no – an idea what Matthew McConaughey said. Yeah, like yeah. no clue. I I don't know the line of dialogue. But Maddie, it really doesn't matter because it won't win. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. Uh, um, what do you? I'll just say my pick is Whiplash. Uh, because what I loved so much about this movie, and and I might talk about it later. I might not. Is that the movie about a jazz drummer was really just a jazz riff for an hour and a half, mm. right? And the editing in that movie was so tight that i wish it were nominated for sound editing so yeah. the sound mix was okay i'll give it my vote whiplash sound mixing however i think birdman will win for the drum score uh throughout the movie yeah i i i'm the same i think it is uh to kind of spoil our head uh is well that's the next category so let's not spoil it but um mm -hmm. i i will go with, i would go with whiplash just because it's so it's so 
well done the way that they mix the, they mix the sound in the movie. I mean, I don't know how else to say it except yeah. that it's it was like a. Uh, I'm really Matt, eager to our see. resident audiophile, <laughs> <laughs> the person who edits the podcast. Yeah. The mixing was good. Um, no, because I, I feel like that I. I I would love to see a special feature on the Blu-ray or DVD when when it comes out that goes into detail about how they how they filmed and mixed the sound of of some of these key music sequences. Yeah, because um, it's it's oh God, I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Tiny, you're uh, yeah. Having not seen Whiplash, I gotta throw it to Birdman, which nice. I just watched hours ago. Um, nice. uh, I, I agree with Interstellar though. As much as I love that movie, it does not belong in this category. Uh, for for in, just in my opinion, sound mixing is about balance. You know, mm-hmm. balancing yep. things, and they they fumbled that in that movie. So yeah. I, I don't get the nomination either. And I'll I'll say like in my review of Interstellar, I even said that like I could feel like the the score and the sound in my bones in the seventy millimeter IMAX, yeah. but mm-hmm. it also drowned out a lot of the dialogue for me, yeah. or like a few key sequences. But anyway, I've talked about Interstellar enough. Um, Bird man is a close second for mine for my uh, pick on this category cool cool sounds good uh moving on we're gonna stick with us hopefully you guys aren't tired of hearing from just exclusively us but uh more music matt's favorite uh <laughs> this is best original song uh and there's also score but we're just going to talk about the song here the nominees are everything is awesome from the lego movie glory from selma grateful from beyond the lights I'm not going to miss you from Glenn Campbell, I'll be me, and Lost Stars from Begin Again. What do you think, Matt? Uh, this is another troublesome category here. Yeah, the yeah. Only, like, only one I'm familiar with is Everything is Awesome. How about uh, you, Mike, our resident musician? Um, you know, I'm not familiar with most of these, but I think Everything is Awesome is really getting the buzz. Uh, and the the joke of that song is it's is supposed to be it's like a super catchy earworm that you get tired of. But I don't think people are tired of it, and it is a super catchy earworm. So yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's pretty effective. Also, that said, um, this will this will come up later. Um, but it's it got snubbed. The Lego Movie got snubbed. So I think you should give it best song just for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Agreed. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and and. You know, I'll go ahead and throw my hat in hat in for for that. I mean, the movie itself, I I don't think I loved it. I don't hold it to quite as high acclaim as everyone else does. I I really, really, really enjoyed it, but I don't I don't think it's like the second coming of an animated movies um, or anything like that. Um, but I feel like the the song itself was it's like you said, it's a really catchy earworm and everything, and it also kind of colors the the world a little bit. It, it's kind mm, of. Yeah. Because the movie has this very, very kind of brainwashy, dystopic, yeah, kind of tone, and that that movie just kind of captures like a couple different levels to that uh, yeah. really well. So it, I'll, I'll go with that. It's like a distracting pop trash song. Yeah, 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 definitely. Which is perfect for the movie. Definitely. So All right. So score? across the board, Lego Movie. So how about uh, score? Bring us into score. Score is, uh, this is just music, best music. Original score, uh, the nominees are The Grand Budapest Hotel. By the way, I won't I won't name the names, um, the composers, because I I think, you know, Hans Zimmer is is about as popular as they come, and he's not even really a household name. So uh, whatever. The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, 
Interstellar, and that's Hans Zimmer, Mr. Turner, and The Theory of Everything. Uh, do you want me to take the lead on this one, guys? Sure. The one category that I would feel comfortable throwing at Interstellar, the the score, and I think like I think Mike, you disagreed with, and I mean opinions and all that, but um, like I I feel like you didn't you didn't like the score quite as much as I did, mm-hmm. um, and I just I, something about it, I just I I love it. I mean that's the one piece of the movie that I can say that I actually love, um. And I mean, yeah, you you raised the point that it's it's a bit derivative and it's mm-hmm. just very like kind of generic space music kind of stuff. But I don't know. That's that's kind of playing into my wheelhouse. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So how about you guys? Uh, I'm picking uh, Interstellar as well with Hans Zimmer. Um, Dude, Interstellar sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexandre Desplat, or however you yep. say, Alexandre. Uh, He's double nominated for Grand Budapest Hotel in the Imitation Game. The music just didn't stand out in those movies to me, um, especially mm-hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel. But I think it's because the visuals and everything were so amazing in that movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, Hans Zimmer got to give it to him. That's yeah, and opinion. we're gonna go three for three here. Hans Zimmer, <laughs> definitely, definitely the best work out of all this. Um, I upon second watch of the Grand Budapest Hotel, I noticed mm-hmm. some of the music, and it was really fun. But the I guess I shouldn't say this. I'm sure a, a, um, a composer would, would die if he heard me say it. But in a Wes Anderson movie, it's really not about the music. So. Very true. Yeah, Interstellar. absolutely. Nice. For sure. Hans Zimmer. Um, sweet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, moving on to best makeup and hairstyling. And this is not us. We're going to pass it off to Poor Man's Process. So listen to them. It's your friends from Poor Man's Process again, coming to you with the Academy Award nominations for makeup and hair. Jared? All right. Um, this year's nominees for the 2015 Makeup and Hairstyling uh, for Foxcatcher, Bill Corso, and Dennis Lydiard. For the Grand Budapest Hotel, Francis Hennen and Mark Coulier. And for Guardians of the Galaxy, David White and Elizabeth Yanni Giorgio. All right, so uh, Max and Paul are resident professional makeup artists. What do you got for me? I have some words. Well, I'm sure all the people listening out there right now want to know the opinion of a professional film makeup artist on this category, the one you are most qualified to talk about in the Academy Awards. Oh, good. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I think there are, you know, I think the two standouts here are Guardians. I think the other one is Foxcatcher. There are reasons, obviously, for both. I'll start with Foxcatcher. And the main reason is because the makeup on Steve Carell is astounding. Uh, Old age kind of thing or realistic human face, if that's the makeup you're going for, is by far the hardest to achieve. It's something that uh, Dick Smith really drove home as far as, like, this is the hardest thing. If you're a makeup artist, you should be phenomenal at making someone look like someone else because we see people every day so if they don't look you know i mean human or you're they're off in some inhuman way you're immediately going to pick it up and anybody can do that where an alien we've never seen an alien before so we don't know if they're just going to be pink people like in guardians of the galaxy or like drax like we don't know what he's meant to look like we've seen him in comic books but even then we've never seen him in 3d precisely so uh that's my thoughts on Foxcatcher, while Guardians just gives it 
all around because of just the sheer volume of the makeup that was done and like the outrageous color choices that uh gun had put on the alien life forms in that movie the fact somebody had to be like i want this guy to be bright pink and i want the bad guy to be bright blue <laughs> and that flew and that and they actually pulled it off uh, the the uh the makeup on lee pace looks oh my god it's awesome so he looks so scary and he's f***ing smurf colored <laughs> oh, it's got dripping black and stuff the, yeah, the, and the black. So the first time I saw it, because um, I've seen it twice now. The first time I saw it, the black looked like cheaply done. But then I realized after the fact that it's supposed to be that way because it looks like he did it himself with his hand. Right. Yeah. And so on the they, su- yeah, yeah, they, they succeeded yeah. in making me look like, or making me think it looked like it was done by hand. Right. They absolutely. did something in a crazy long drawn out process, and it looked like it was done by hand. Yeah, it's well, awesome. It was. Paul, what do you think? Your opinions on the category? Um. They are good makeups. They were done well. They were. Well, except for Grand Budapest, I have no idea. I'm not going to watch that garbage. <laughs> so you out there who are bulking, uh, Paul is not a Wes Anderson fan. Most so. of us here at uh, Superliminal Films, home of the Poor Man's Process podcast, are not big Wes Anderson fans. We like, I know Max and I have our Wes Anderson films that we like, but as a general rule, we tend to steer away from Wes Anderson films. Yeah. There are some I enjoy, some it's I do It's an acquired not. taste, Plus, definitely. I gotta say, this nomination feels to me more like about the hair and just like about they all looked like made up people yes. than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very clean, very stylized. I mean, Wes Anderson, if, if nothing else, visually knows exactly what he wants, and it makes him such a strong mm-hmm. director. And you know, I didn't see Grand Budapest, but from I watched a lot of trailers and everything else because I want to give him a fair shake every time. Uh, there was definitely an aesthetic to every character. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that that transcended wardrobe and hair and makeup. It was a whole character aesthetic. Absolutely. So, I guess we should hit on our predictions real quick. All right, so here we go. Max, what do you want to win? What do you think will win? I think I want Foxcatcher to win. Nah. Yeah, I mean Foxcatcher Guardians. I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. And what do you think is going to be the case? Foxcatcher. Okay. Jared, what do you want? What do you think? Well, um I again, I'm going to side with Max on this. I'd love for Foxcatcher to win just because of how well the realistic makeup is done, and I'm hoping they win. I think they will. Okay. Paul? I want Guardians to win. I think it'll win because of the sheer number of makeups. Foxcatcher, I don't think will win just because it didn't make money. And the word shows your shams. It's business of money. Uh, well, I'm kind of with Paul, except I th- I want Foxcatcher, but I think Guardians because no one's going to give Foxcatcher that win. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll hope to see you again next year with more makeup and hair from Poor Man's Process. All right, that was uh, Poor Man's Process. You can find them at, uh, scrolling down, uh, superliminalfilms.com. Um, you can find links to all these in the show notes, as we said. Thanks a lot, guys. They were actually uh, on our uh, last year's episode. Also, Intermission was too. But they actually reached out to us on Twitter because I, I kind of dropped the ball on contacting everyone. Um, but, yeah, thanks, guys, so much. That was awesome. Thanks. All right, so we'll keep the ball rolling here. This is actually uh, the Nerds Domain has our second uh, group of nominees for Best Costume Design. So, Nerds Domain, take it away. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt. I'm Shirley. And we're from the Nerds Domain because we're awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're going to talk about the Oscar-nominated movies for Best Costume Design. We've got five movies. Yes. We've seen one of. Which one did we see? Maleficent. Oh, Maleficent. I hope you remember that one. Then you love that movie. Yep. We have the Grand Budapest Hotel, Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, 
of course, Maleficent, and Mr. Turner. All right. So uh, we've got those five movies. Yep. Um, uh, each one is a little different. Uh, several of them are set kind of in the past. So mm -hmm. one, at least two of them are set in a fantastical past. Um, so let's start with Grand Budapest Hotel. It's a movie set in the night in 1968 in the fake, fake, fake place of uh, man. I should probably know where it's at. Anyway, it's set in a fake country at a fake hotel. Uh, the the costumes here though are vibrant, very vibrant. Did you notice that? This is where um, you interact too. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry, I was reading. Um. Yeah, I when I was looking through um, some of the pictures for the for the movie, I noticed that they used a lot of the deep purple, and some of the scenes seemed to be like a very like a lot of the um, costumes were popped out at you like oh, yeah. with vib very vibrant colors, but then some of the um, some of the scenes seemed like they were just like drab. A little and, bit, and yeah. Grayish and kind well, of beigeish browns, and I was and a lot of the wonder, a lot of the background is like that too. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. And um, it made me wonder. Like I, I really do want to see this movie, but it made me wonder um, if possibly the that each scene picture that I was looking at indicated the frame of mind that the um, the protagonist was in. Yeah. That's it's possible. So. so the costume designs were done by Melina Cananero. Hey, uh, almost probably got that right, mostly. <laughs> uh, and she did Dick Tracy and Marie Antoinette, which, uh, not that I've seen either one of those movies in recent... I've seen Marie Antoinette. I remember seeing Dick Tracy when I was very little, but those both very much popped mm -hmm. as well. So it, it's still that same design. It's yeah. kind of... I don't know if it's her signature, but it also reminds me of the uh, other Wes Anderson movie, which may just be Wes Anderson. Because this is his movie, mm -hmm. um, the one about the family, the weird family with Bill Murray, not Bill Murray. No, that's not right. Adam Cameron. Dark Bill Shatter. Murray's Bill Murray's in it, but it's Gene Hackman. It's about a weird family. Can't think of the name of it. It'll come to me later. Anyway, I like it. Um, I like the purples. I like the design, mm -hmm. and it's set in '68, so you can never go wrong there, I guess. Uh, let's move on to Inherent Vice. Um, Inherent Vice is set. Um, in the 70s, or Which in 1970. It very much looked like 1970. I saw this and I was thinking, dude, Starsky and Hutch, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this movie, in my opinion, wins uh, Best Use of Mutton Chops, although it comes with a very close second in another movie we'll talk about, Mr. Turner. Okay. Um, but uh, the, these are very stylistic for the period and properly used, so um, I, I like them, but... Honestly, they don't stick out too much to me. Yeah, I, they feel like the that. '70s. You're yeah. right, but that's I was that's like, about it's it. Just street clothes for the '70s. Yeah, like somebody went into somebody's 1970s oh. wardrobe and was like, "Hey, let's use this." Although Joaquin Phoenix's side, side. Are okay, yeah. Like, like when those, I saw those are him, huge. I was like, "What is that, Joaquin Phoenix?" <laughs> I thought, "Is Scott in this movie?" <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll move on to Into the Woods. Uh, Into the Woods is set in a fairy tale realm. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of wraps together several fairy tales, including Cinderella, Red Riding Hood, and Rapunzel. Mm -hmm. um, I we watched part of the stage play because I it was slow. Yes, it was um, slow. But I, I love what they've done here. It fits everything well. Um, it's all kind of dark, but then colors pop out. They're very vibrant, especially the red there. Mm -hmm. um, 
and the and the makeup is amazing. Like Johnny Depp and Meryl Streep. Oh yeah. I, when we were watching the trailer for this, I was just I was amazed at how awesome they looked. Uh, I noticed that the uh, the nomination is for Colleen Atwood, who also did the the Sweeney Todd movie. Ooh, I can see nice. a lot of her in Sweeney Todd now, but with a uh, a haze of um, what's his name who directed that. Who also did Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. Tim Burton. Tim Burton with a haze of Tim Burton over yeah. it because Tim Burton puts a haze on everything. Mm-hmm. But I can see the, the the basics here, but like the the the, right. the core of her design is here and there right. without that haze, and I like it. I I do. I really like it. Um. Yeah, all the costumes that I saw and the pictures that I looked at, I really liked this movie. Yeah. Next we have Maleficent. Uh, which is set in another uh, fairy tale. It's Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like uh, Maleficent a lot. Uh, I think Angelina Jolie, who I'm not always the biggest fan of, right? Uh, I think she was fantastic in this. Yeah. Uh, her costume design, um, the costumes of the other people there, I really like the CGI, but it was really well done. Uh, the, this the nomination went for Anna B. Shepard, who did all the costuming here. Um, she also did the Schindler's List and the Pianist, and I can't say I've seen either one of them. Neither have I, but um, I've seen snippets of each, but they are set in more realistic times. That's true. That's not true. Not in a more fantastical world. Um, what I did notice when I was when I was researching Maleficent, um, because I remember the movie, but I always remember the emotion of movies. Mm-hmm. So I went back to look at some of the images from the movie. I noticed that most of it is um, like like in, right after the Dark Ages. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of you know people in leather armor and things like that when they were at the castle and. Um, Angelina Jolie's costume was the one that stood out the most. Not oh, very many people had on like costume costumes. Well, her and the crow, I can't think, or the raven, I can't oh, think of his name. Yeah. But uh, he had a very, a very flowy, feathery thing. It yes. worked really well. Uh, I don't want to move us along, but no. I promise we keep this yeah. short. So, uh, last movie uh, is Mr. Turner. This one is set in the years past. Uh, at the beginning of the Impressionist movement, okay. which honestly I don't know when that is. I don't so, know either. Um, it stars uh, uh, Peter Pettigrew. Um, I, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, "What are we watching, Harry Potter?" Yeah, I was. I I love this actor. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, he is. Um, although I have not seen a single shot from this movie where he's smiling the slightest bit. He's always got this <laughs> dour look, but. Um, he also has the second best sideburns in all the movies we've gone over. Okay. Uh, the the costuming is also said appropriate for the time period. For the time period. Um, right. It doesn't pop. It doesn't stand out. It's just it it fits. It it's very very much what it should yeah. be. It's in the background. Yeah. Um. So we've kind of talked. But that about, doesn't make it any less. You know, the two time period pieces doesn't make them any less harder to have created the pieces for but no but if it's it's, if it doesn't stand out that actually may be the point of the costume design is to flow into the whole thing to be part of the story so we've talked about the five movies Mm -hmm. um what do you think who wins who do you think should win okay for me it's between into the woods and maleficent and i would and i loved maleficent um, I haven't seen Into the Woods yet, and um, what made me choose who I chose is because um, 
of the more in-depth images that I saw of each. And okay. it seemed like in Maleficent, we only saw, you know, the crow and right. the raven right. and Maleficent. Um, Into the Woods, there were a ton of different costuming options to choose from. Um, Johnny Depp, Meryl Streep, um, all of the actors that had on um, something different and something that was beautiful and gorgeous that stood out. So mine is Into the Woods. Um, I, I like all of the costume designs, even the ones that just kind of fit, fit well. And they do what they're supposed to do. I feel, though, that Grand Budapest Hotel, um, I have a feeling that the costuming tells part of the story. And that, to me, is important. It also pops. I also like Wes Anderson's visuals. I don't mm -hmm. always like his stories. Sometimes I find them bad. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> is. Um, but I, I do like the visuals he's put here. He did it in uh, Rushmore. He did it in um, all of the other stuff he's done, Life Aquatic, and that other movie I still can't think of the name of. Um, I, I vote for Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Um, so uh, thank you, guys, and we will talk to you guys uh, real soon. See ya. And that was Great. Nerd's Domain. Which uh, you can find at nerdsdom.com. Uh, also check out Matt Quiet on our uh, special. It was a, it was a special episode last week uh, where I interviewed him for just like we talked for like two hours. It was it was a lot of fun uh, without you guys. Did you guys listen to that by the way? I did. Nice. What'd you think? I like Matt. He's cool. He's he's very cool. Yeah. He's just like he's just a real affable guy and just mm -hmm. real like personable. Yeah. And he's just cool. Yeah. I haven't been able to listen to it. Oh, that's that's. I haven't listened to as good as it gets yet. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> no, that... sir, the only reason I haven't listened to it yet is because I haven't had time to put it on my tablet, which is what I use to listen to music now. Because my cell phone little headphone jack is messed up. Mm -hmm. Excuses, uh, excuses. It's uh, yeah. really good. You like it? Swimming for the summer. I listen to it. Yeah, I, I listen to it on a lazy Saturday morning, Valentine's Day morning, with my girlfriend. Perfect. Well, I was and getting we, blackout drunk on Valentine's alone in my room. <laughs> <laughs> we swooned together. That's uh, what we intended. Nice. <laughs> All right. Speaking speaking of Grand Budapest Hotel, we'll go straight into uh, production design because I don't think this is going to be a whole lot different. <laughs> Nominees are Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Interstellar, Into the Woods, and Mr. Turner. And I'm going to go again with Grand Budapest Hotel for, for reasons listed above. See above. What the hell is Mr. Turner doing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll agree. I'll echo that. Yeah, probably Grand Budapest. All right. Yeah. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just so pretty to look at. Yeah, yeah, it was and it was just so grounded. So so much more grounded than some of his other mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. We're blowing through these. That's okay though. Yeah. Uh best editing, best film editing. The nominees are American Sniper. Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, and Whiplash. You mind if I go first, guys? Go right ahead. Please. I'm having a really, really hard time picking between Whiplash and Boyhood. Mm -hmm. uh, because the both, I mean, the other movies don't even count. They might as well not even count in film editing because who cares? <laughs> but but boyhood is all about the editing I, I mean some of the things we learn just from an edit from one scene to another tells so much we we learn we're not um our hands are not held through the movie but we learn for instance you know that one stepfather is there one day and then he's not another day through an edit the some of the some of what i loved so much about boyhood was the editing however with Whiplash, um, 
the way they took so many shots of performing, say, a certain song um, and then edited those together with with the mixing and with everything was was just like I'll say it again was just like a jazz song. The whole movie was a jazz song and it felt like that. It was just such a powerful, fun, raw uh music kind of movie. I mean, if you're talking about a performance and and putting a performance on film, editing really is is top notch. So, um because we're not actual voters, I'm going to split my vote. Half for Boyhood, <laughs> half for Whiplash and <laughs> you if you don't care <laughs> nice care. tiny how about you um i really want to see whiplash because <laughs> the way you guys talk about it that that sounds so great all those yeah. words mike just said yeah. um i think grand budapest is like a close third in this man i i love the pacing of that movie and the way it was mm-hmm. put together that was uh that was great uh but i'm gonna go with boyhood i i saw this last out of the three of us boyhood Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys both liked it, liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I really didn't care for it that much. I, I, I can't knock it too much because mm-hmm. it's, it was really visionary and everything, but I just don't think it was that good of a movie. Um, but yeah, you have to, you can't, I mean, it's not just like you're throwing a bone to the editor. The guy was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or I guess it was a woman. Apologies, Sandra Adair. Um, <laughs> Uh, that that's just a monumental task, and to pull it off so seamlessly is really impressive. Um, essentially, just compiling a bunch of anecdotal scenes into a, a pretty fluid movie. Really, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that was that was impressive. So I'm gonna go with Boyhood out of a lack of not seeing and Whiplash. F- <laughs> and from what I understand, I think he edited the footage after each filming session. Yeah. Oh, really. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Which is um, just cool. Just oh, it, it shows he had a vision. Dedication. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. And uh I'll go ahead and I'll I'll just pretty much echo everything you guys have said. Um especially Mike's Mike, you took the words right out of my mouth pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um just the seamless with boyhood, just the seamless transitions. Like yeah. I, I just respected the hell out of that movie for not like saying like, okay, this is twenty whatever. Um, it's just, it's just like such a seamless, gradual thing. And it just, it feels so organic. And I, I remember listening to a slash filmcast talk about, and they were talking about how it's, it reminds them of memory. And the movie Mm. is like, the movie is like, it it just reminds you of of remembering parts of your life. And it's like, I remember 2002 because of, oops, I did it again. (laughs) (laughs) But But really, I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then like, like, uh, like you, like you don't remember, like, um, you don't remember like big, like big moments as they happen. You remember the fallout and the feeling of it after it happens. Like, like we see, we see that he, ah, that's kind of spoilery. Um, we just we just see him experience these things and the after effects of these things, and we're on this journey with him, and it's it's just so seamlessly just created. Having said that, um, the editing in Whiplash, though, my God, I mean, yeah, so so energetic and so um, so tight, it so tight. tight, yeah, oh yeah. Um, they they certainly weren't dragging or rushing there, right, Mike? <laughs> if we were in the same room, I'd be nudging your mm, nudging your not side. Not quite my time. He, he nudged <laughs> listeners. He actually did the pantomime. I did. Thank I did you for that, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> not quite my time. <laughs> so I'll be happy with either one of those. I think that um, I'd probably be happier seeing Whiplash get it, even though I just talked up Boyhood so much. I just think that just the way that it, the way that it, the way that the movie moved was just so 
so just thrilling, I, I guess. Um, yeah. So I guess I'd go, I'd go with that. Yeah. All right. Moving on uh, to best cinematography. Cinematography consists of Birdman. Uh, by the way, Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. I didn't say that last time. Oh, yeah. uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Ida, Mr. Turner, or Unbroken? Ooh. Matt, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I wish I would have seen Ida because I, I heard really good things about it. Um, <laughs> but, man, Grand Budapest and uh, – oh, my God, you just said it. And I'm blanking. Birdman. Birdman. Man, I – you know, I, I I'll go with I'll go with Grand Budapest just because, I mean, it's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie, um, and it, it just fires on all cylinders in terms of the just general aesthetic of it. Um, I think that's the second time I've used that word. Um, <laughs> it's a good word. It is a good word. Yeah, it's very crimulent. I don't know what that means. Or if that's anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> Isn't that a species in Star Trek? I don't know yet. I haven't gotten no, there yet. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, but no, it, it's just it's such a beautiful movie, and uh, I think I'll, I think I'll go with Grand Budapest. How about you guys? I gotta go with Birdman. Uh, actually, um, Grand Budapest take nothing away from it, but uh, I don't know. Cin- cinematography is just one of those categories. I think it kind of means what you want it to mean. <laughs> I think we had this discussion last year with like Gravity remember. and and Twelve Years a Slave and. I don't know. I, I didn't see Gravity as being very cinematographic. That's not a word. Um, I didn't see it that way just because it was all just done by computers. I just didn't. Mm. That's why I didn't see it that way. Um, but anyways, I, I think it kind of means what you want it to mean. And for for me, Birdman was a little more cinematography-ish. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we need an adjective. For- I feel like a lot of cinematographers are probably going to just... You want to shoot you? <laughs> yeah. I think it has. It, it's more like you know the photography and composition of the shots and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I would yeah. say I think there's a slight here for Whiplash. I, I think Whiplash probably should have been nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's about music, and so I hope it gets props for the for the editing and and those kinds of things. But I mm-hmm. really think. Um, it it paints a picture of of what the life of this kid is like, and uh, especially the the shots of the music and just the tension in every scene. I think the cinematography is awesome, but that doesn't count because it's not nominated. Um, Birdman is a similar movie, and I think because the score is drums, I just think that in my head. Uh, I'm gonna have to say kind of what you said, Tiny. No slight to Grand Budapest, and I, I think Grand Budapest might win, uh, but but I think I would just give it to give it to Birdman, except um, some of the CGI later on in the movie was a little shoddy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Grand Budapest. I changed my mind. Yeah, Grand Budapest <laughs> is probably the safer bet. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. It, it looked all right. Yeah. Fair enough. So fair we enough. got, we've got two, two and a half Grand Budapest. <laughs> yeah. right. what, what do you guys think? Should Nightcrawler have been included in that one? Because... A nightcrawler I mean, should be all over this thing. It yeah. really should. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There is a scene in Nightcrawler, and I said this in my end of the year review, where um his Lou uh, uh Jake Gyllenhaal's character Lou is all alone, Lewis, mm-hmm. and he uh one of the there's an accident and he's trying to film it and he is up yeah. uh and it pans up to his face and he, it looks like a horror movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. you could say the movie is a horror movie if mm-hmm. if you wanted to stretch. But it is straight up a horror movie in that scene. 
Um, and that's all camera work. Mm-hmm. Loved Lord. it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's slighted too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what's next? Uh, moving on to best animated feature, and I'm going to throw that out to. Uh, my good friend Pat and Tyler in the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Here you go. Hey, guys. It's Pat and Tyler from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. We're happy to present the best animated feature for the guys over at Obsessive Viewer podcast. So, Tyler, who's nominated this year? All right. So, this year we have five nominees for best animated feature film. We have Big Hero 6, How to Train Your Dragon 2, The Box Trolls, the Tale of Princess Kagaya, which I'm, <laughs> that, guess, I'm guessing that can't is right. be right. Well, <laughs> it's funny because like I, I searched the internet to find out how to pronounce it, and I YouTubed it, and I can't find it. So we're going Kagaya. All right, The Tale of Princess Kagaya, uh, and then Song of the Sea is the last nominee. So the last two I've not even heard of. I have no idea what they are. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, and I feel like we got to discuss the elephant in the room really quick. Yeah, with a uh, Lego Movie not being what the hell? Yeah. That was my favorite animated movie last year uh, by a long shot. And for them not to include that, I mean, I know we're not saying anything new here. There's been a lot of outcry about it, but it's kind of bullshit. Yeah, for sure. So how many of these have you seen, Tyler? I've only seen two. Which two? Big Hero 6 and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Oh, nice. Uh, I wanted to see Box Trolls, and I just never got around to it. It should come out on Blu-ray, though, soon. And I, I did want to see it, so I'll probably check it out. I liked there. it. I mean, it wasn't... I, I hate to keep uh, beating a dead horse, but it wasn't as good as the Lego movie. Yeah, it's not. But, well, I mean, I, I liked it. <laughs> I said that, and I had not seen it. But, <laughs> but I'm assuming it's not. I liked Big Hero 6, but, I mean, it wasn't anything special. Is that Are those the only two you've seen? Yeah, I've only seen, seen uh, Box Trolls and Big Hero 6. I haven't seen How, I, How to Train Your Dragon 2. I saw the first one, obviously, when it came out. I wasn't that impressed with it, so I just... Yeah, want to spend money for the sequel. I remember I was late in the game seeing the first one, and everybody loved it so much, and I thought it was all right, but I don't, I don't get the praise for it. And same with How to Train Your Dragon too. I mean, it won the Golden Globe, and I, I think chances are it'll probably win the Oscar, but I don't. Again, I don't get it. I don't. One, I don't get how you nominated over Lego Movie, and two, I, if I, it's my opinion, I think the Big Hero Six should get it out of the movies I've seen. But out of those movies, again, I've only seen the two. I would have to actually say, from what I understand, what I read, um, it's uh, How to to Train Your Dragon 2. But out of the two that I've seen, I I like the box trolls better. All right. Awesome. And the other two, I like I said, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about them. I I don't know anything about them, but I'm curious. I guess it must be somewhat good to get nominated. Yeah, for sure. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at The Nerds Podcast, like us on Facebook, uh, follow our blog, thenerdspodcast.com. I think that's about it. Thanks, guys. See ya. And that's The Nerds You're Looking For Podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can find them at thenerdspodcast.com, uh, where they have the back episodes and also a blog. And Matt's like the third host. <laughs> I am. I've been on it several <laughs> times. Um, yeah, uh, we won't we won't talk about this one because we don't. I don't want to slight anybody else, but mm-hmm. I think we're all pretty miffed about the Lego Movie not getting nominated. At least I am. Yeah. So, I, I haven't seen any of these. So. Oh dang. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so this next category we have is actually pretty cool. We met Kate's take at the Starbase Indie Convention where we did a where we did the summer movies panel, and her podcast sounded super interesting, and and she was really nice to us. So we kind of got in touch with her. Matt got in touch with her, and so she's going to do best adapted screenplay for us. Take it away, Kate. Hey, this is Kate Chaplin from Kate's Take, a podcast about filmmaking and life where I take a movie and dissect it and find meaning for good or bad. I got assigned the adapted screenplay category for this year's Oscars. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think will win and what I think should win and all that kind of good stuff. So the nominees for adapted screenplay are American Sniper, written by Jason Hall, The Imitation Game, written by Graham Moore, Inherent Vice, written for the screen by Paul Thomas Anderson, The Theory of Everything by Anthony McCartan, and Whiplash by Damien Chazelle. And if I said any of those names wrong, I deeply apologize. So one thing with the uh, adapted screenplays, which is one thing that I look at, a lot of times it's either the runner-up for Best Picture, um, a film that was really, really good and was very close to winning Best Picture, a lot of times it will get... Uh, one of the screenplay awards. The other thing that tends to happen with screenplays is a movie that would never win Best Picture tends to get a screenplay because it is something new and something inventive. Uh, something, of course, that comes to mind is Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction won in the Best Screenplay category. Um, now, that thing, that film, uh, changed a lot of games. Um, it was com- it was a different kind of order. It was answers first, questions later. Uh, it was a very interesting structure. Um, but it, it was no way that it was going to win Best Picture. It's Pulp Fiction. Um, so that's one way to, uh, to, to look at the screenplay categories. So looking at that, um, I feel that Boyhood will probably get the Best Picture nomination. Um, and I think The Imitation Game was a strong second. So my pick of what I think the Academy voters will pick as Best Adapted Screenplay is The Imitation Game by Graham Moore. Um, The script is actually quite interesting. It goes back and forth and back and forth in different time periods. Um, It creates this kind of chaos environment a little bit where you're not sure where you're at for a reason to kind of keep you on the edge of your seat of what really happened to Alan Turning. Um, I thought it was a very interesting way that they uh, explained the characters. They set the time period. Um, Of course, not all of it is true. Um, A little bit is movie you know, movie magic and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, it was one of those things. I also wondered if American Sniper would necessarily be in there, but I don't think so because I've seen so many things of how the book was so different um, and how really they've kind of paint, uh, painted him to be such a patriot um, when really some of the things that he said in his book were not that patriotic and a little bit disturbing. Um, Whiplash. Now, Whiplash was based on a short film because adapted screenplay means it was adapted from some other material. Whiplash is based on a short film. This is quite interesting. Now, if it does win, um, that could be a game changer. Um, that having a short film and then turning it into a feature film, um, is being accepted by the Academy. So it would be absolutely wonderful if that was the case, that Whiplash could get it. Um, But I think the nomination is probably as close as it could get. So uh, my pick for what should win and what I really would like to win is The Imitation Game by Grand Moore. Uh, I I wish there was some, uh, some chicas 
represented in this category. Uh, that's always the case, being a female screenwriter myself. Um, I do always love to see some chicas writing some uh, amazing screenplays. Um, I don't know if these were the best screenplays that really we did this year um, in the adapted category, but of those five picks, they are very strong picks. I go with the imitation game. So uh, back to you guys at the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I love you. Kate of Kate's Take, out. And thank you, Kate. Uh, and I want to mention, it's uh, it, it's funny because like there was a moment in our Starbase Indie uh, panel that we did, where like after it was done, she was like, "Oh yeah, I wanted to come see you guys," and I was like, well, "Someone wanted to see us talk." <laughs> um, it was just a surreal moment. <laughs> and uh, like we said, her podcast is just—it's really good. You can find it at d uh, d20crit.com. And they're actually going to be doing uh, Schindler's List next. And then Mike, you'll like this. They're, the next two ones are going to be Rocky, the Rocky franchise split into nice. two episodes. Very That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's a really fun podcast. You guys should check it out. Looking forward to those. Oh, yeah. We'll do. All right. So the next category we have is best original screenplay. We're going to do the other side. Um, and the nominees for original screenplay are Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, the Grand Budapest Hotel and Nightcrawler. Matthew, what do you think? Um, man, you know I'm gonna go with Nightcrawler just because. Well, for several reasons, but one of which being that they, it, I mean, it's gotten snubbed all over the place, and that they really uh, deserve that. That um, plus, I mean, the screenplay just painted just such a clear character character study of just this really disturbing person yeah uh and it, and it factored in a lot of uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh, a lot of like social commentary and um in into it without being overbearing with it or anything like that mm-hmm. or uh i was gonna i was gonna try to make another dig at interstellar but i can't be bothered with it <laughs> so anyway um <laughs> so yeah it you know i'll go i'll go with uh with uh nightcrawler what about you guys Tiny, um, I loved Nightcrawler a lot as well. Uh, that that movie, like one thing that I remember about it, it just used they used their time really well, which is kind of a weird thing to say because they can make it as long or as short as they want. But I don't know. They, it feels like they packed a lot into ninety minutes or mm-hmm. hour forty, whatever how long it was. It just it was effective in that in that respect, and I think a lot of that credit goes to the writer. Um, but I gotta go with Birdman just for its its potent originality in, in an idea for a movie just so, so original and, and, and the way it was, the way it was structured was just great. Uh, I, I really love, I, I hope that's not just knee jerk from me cause I literally right. watched it hours ago. Um, but yeah, out, out of these, that's, that's my favorite Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say. It I, is. I want to say Birdman, but I think the slight of Nightcrawler elsewhere is kind of leaning me that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say that Nightcrawler isn't deserving of it. Nightcrawler was was awesome. I I right. love uh the commentary. I love you know Nightcrawler is about society. Nightcrawler is about normal people. Birdman is not about me. So True. I can I can recognize that it's awesome, and maybe that's not fair. Maybe I'm not being fair to it. But Birdman, uh, it's getting the amount of love it's getting. A because the performances are awesome. B because the the directing was amazing. But C Definitely, because it's a movie about, you know, actors and Mm -hmm. and Hollywood loves movies about actors. You might say, given the given the uh, 
kind of overarching themes of kind of like ambition and and kind of bleeding for your or doing despicable things or, or kind of really throwing yourself into uh creative endeavors uh the those theme the way that those themes share you might say that uh they're birds of a feather <laughs> birdman oh boy that wow. was, that lasted too long it really did Is and that... <laughs> am i the only one who thinks boyhood does not belong in this category at all no, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought the script was really mediocre. It was just minimal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think there's a certain um there's a certain um appeal in the screenwriting for that that it like Mike said it is minimal. It's very minimalistic screenplay. Um and it, it does achieve telling this the story and, and imparting the themes that it's that it's going for with it but it does that more with the visual medium of of storytelling rather yeah. than actual dialogue or, or, or setting up scenes i, I guess I, I mean i don't mean to short credit or, i see what you're saying yeah i don't mean to short sheet the screenwriting but i wouldn't say it was mediocre but it was you know not the uh focal point of the movie yeah mm-hmm. Um, before we move on, I just want to mention that uh, originally this this segment was going to be covered by our friends at Televised Uncensored, um, but they they got busy with work and stuff, so they couldn't do it. But I just want to give them a shout out because they're super awesome, and uh, I really love their podcast, which is in a bit of a tr- uh, transitional phase now. But what they do is they uh, review uh, seasons of a TV show. That's what the chunk of their they're first starting out of the podcast is and they're really thorough and they're really good. So check it out at a bro cool nation.com. Sweet. Very cool. So that's us moving on to best director. Uh, Ooh, we're which getting into is big an ones. interesting one. I love talking about this one. Yeah. Uh, last year I predicted a split and I, I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to show my hand. I'm not going to hold on to it like I did last time, but, uh, <laughs> It's it's going to be interesting. So, uh, best directing the nominees are for Alejandro G. Inaratu for Birdman, Richard Linklater for Boyhood, Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher, Wes Anderson the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Morton Tildum for The Imitation Game. What do you guys think? Hmm. This I I think this is really just between Richard Linklater and uh, Alejandro Inaratu. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. What, if if Wes Anderson has ever deserved an Oscar for directing, it's with Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. But he's just going up against Birdman <laughs> and <laughs> Boyhood. Uh, I have my qualms about that movie, but uh, mm-hmm. it's still it, the just the undertaking of Boyhood. That's that's just so uh, gargantuan compared to a typical film like that, uh, like the mm-hmm. Grand like Grand Budapest. Not to say it's a typical movie. I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> I, I have to go with Alejandro Iñárritu. That just blew me away, what he did with that movie. I mean, talk about both of the, uh, like I said, I think it's between, I think it's between Boyhood and Birdman, both incredibly visionary movies, um, which I think is one of the, the highest credits you can give a director when mm-hmm. they truly conceptualize a vision successfully and, and, uniquely that's that's such a hard thing to do um i i again i hope it's not well i know it's not knee-jerk i'm giving it to inyuri too because he's incredible um i don't know boyhood i think that's i think this is a credit that it deserves is being nominated for directing uh richard linklater to maintain a project over 12 years just to do that that's that's obviously unprecedented but so i can't i can't imagine doing it not not to make a movie over 12 years that's just incredible um i wouldn't be too disappointed if he wanted though richard linklater um 
But Inuri 2 was incredible. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, do you mind if I go next? Sure. sure. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I don't want to say it because you guys pronounce his name so awesome that I can't do it, but all the way, Alejandro Inurito. 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 Um, Inurito. Um, my God, the direction in Birdman. I know. I mean, in, like, okay, yes, it is all shot to look like it's all one continuous take, but just the energy that the entire movie sustains throughout that entire endeavor is so so vibrant off the screen and just showing that it's that it's all backstage of this production of the stage production that's i mean there's like that just adds to the pacing and just the energy and when you add to the fact that this is another movie that i would be very interested to see some behind the scenes footage and and special features about the making of it because uh not only did they film it like that uh ordinarily when when you film a movie like that um you have like like pieces that you break down, like sets you break down, and just to just do it rapid fire. Right. But they filmed it in an actual theater in New York City. Yeah, and just knowing that how they can go through like all the rooms and and all like the fluidity of it is just all the more impressive, and mm-hmm. just uh, just the again the aesthetic of it. Yeah, it's just it's such a beautiful beautiful movie that was so expertly directed. Um. Yeah, I, I gotta hand it to hand it to Alejandro Inurito. In in you And I'm just gonna say Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher. I haven't seen the movie. I can just pronounce his name. <laughs> nice. Really? No, that is the one. That is the last one I would give it to in this category. Really? Oh, really? I still didn't even get a yeah. chance to see Foxcatcher. Yeah. It was. I was so disappointed by it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I. uh uh, Mark Ruffalo is awesome in it. Mm-hmm. He is awesome. But anyway, um, hey guys, three for three, Birdman for sure. <laughs> I really want to give it to Boyhood. I, this is something everybody says. In any other year, I would give it to Boyhood. I love what it does uh, over twelve years. I think that the movie itself it speaks universally, at least to me. Um, but just the high wire act that was Birdman and Matt, I, I think you said just the, the level of intensity that it maintains throughout is unmatched by really very few movies that I can think of. I, I think, uh, I think Birdman was an achievement in, yeah. in film history. So it's definitely in your tool. Yeah. And I want to say that I kind of wish that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, oh my god whiplash was direct, was up for this one because mm-hmm. man the directing in that was great uh, yeah um yeah and also i wanted to make another dig at interstellar but i can't um yeah <laughs> it's not even nominated i know that was the point like <laughs> i think it's funny that uh people are saying that it's his most ambitious movie when you have birdman and boyhood boyhood are both way more ambitious than interstellar anyway bring us into the next one <laughs> sure Next category we have is the best supporting actress, and it is presented to your ears by Manhor Podcast. So give it away, Manhors. <laughs> hey, what's going on, obsessive viewer? This is Billy Persida, host of the Manhor Podcast. And I'm here to talk to you guys today about the Oscar for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Quite the category every year, always very difficult to fill. Hollywood doesn't always uh, offer too many really solid supporting roles for women. So it's always exciting when you see a year that's filled with uh, such amazing talents. 
this year. Some great actresses in it, okay? Some really solid performances and one very obvious standout. Let me read you guys who the nominees are. We've got Patricia Arquette in Boyhood, Laura Dern in Wild, Kira Knightley in The Imitation Game, Emma Stone in Birdman, and Meryl Streep. Come on, it's heh, good old Meryl for her role as the witch in uh, Into the Woods. Let's get this done and over with. I'll rant on her in a little bit, but obviously, guys, Patricia Arquette is going to win for Boyhood. It's really not a question. It's not even up for debate. I'll tell you why in a bit. But let me go through and talk a little bit about these other performances by some really solid women in some really good movies. I've seen all of them. Uh, Laura Dern, Wild. She plays Reese uh, Witherspoon's mom who uh, gets cancer and, and likes her horse. Really, in the, really into that horse. Laura Dern's always been a solid actress. It's kind of cool getting to see her nominated. Last year, her father, Bruce Dern, was nominated for Nebraska. So I guess it's kind of like daughter, like father. Like father, like daughter. I don't know how the phrase goes. I'm just going to say those words in some order. You know what the fuck I mean. Okay, Laura Dern, really good and wild. Uh, can't say the same about the movie as a whole. Kira Knightley, The Imitation Game. Who didn't cry during The Imitation Game? Man, Kira was great in it. Kira plays a code breaker, part of uh, Alan Turing's team. Because uh, she, she stumbles on into a room of men and be like, Oh, excuse me, I'm here for a top secret job. I solved a crossword puzzle. <laughs> she plays a solid job as uh, Alan Turing's, I guess, romantic interest. Kira, we've all, I mean, we've seen her play Domino. We've seen her play all sorts of things. She's really solid in the movie, in what was a really, really good movie. You know, in any other year, she could have uh, maybe been more of a contender for the Oscar. Emma Stone, Birdman. Uh, she has like one and a half scenes in Birdman that are just real. Those are like her scenes. Birdman, I got to say, kind of a boys club flick. Loved the movie. Not the most like female actress friendly film, but Emma Stone as uh, Michael Keaton's daughter, you know, does a, does a really solid job. She's got a really cool scene upstairs, uh, up on the balcony with Edward Norton, I like. But then there's one scene that's like her scene. And it's kind of where she she draws a line down with her father and says, yo, you done f***ed up as a pops. Really, you know, really brings out some emotion in, a, in an otherwise offbeat, dark comedy. Meryl Streep. What, guys, what can't you say about Meryl, Meryl Streep, really? Uh, she plays a f***ing witch in Into the Woods. Meryl Streep's the type where, you know, they're giving her nominations every year because, you know what, you gotta. She's f***ing amazing. She can play anything. She's going to do uh, just a swimmingly good job as, as she does in Into the Woods she does great at looking creepy, does great at looking beautiful, because uh, when the curse comes off, she's looking f***ing like a gilf. Oh, man. Meryl Streep, any day. I, I'm talking less about the role and more about that beautiful old woman who I would eagerly take to bed, really, any time. Uh, Meryl Streep, great and Into the Woods, not, for, not an Oscar-winning Oscar role, but certainly worth uh, notation. Then there's Patricia Arquette in Boyhood. In Richard Linklater's uh, epic film, you know, Patricia Arquette plays the mom. And again, movie shot over 12 years. 
Uh, so, you know, she's doing like a week or a few days of filming every year. So we see her age physically without too much makeup. You know, here's a movie that's very emotional. It's something we really can all relate to, which is growing up. Whoever you are, you have at some point in your life grown up. You've actually probably done it right now while listening to this podcast. That's how time works. Uh, unless you ask other way smarter people, they'll explain it in a whole different way. Um, but that's a different movie that didn't get nominated really for anything significant. <laughs> um, now, Patricia, you know what? I mean, that woman pulled these emotions. They're so universal. She deals with an abusive husband. She deals with a husband who like they divorce early on. And so now she's the single mom to two kids. With, you know, I, th- I think her character begins the movie with really no significant amount of education. She puts herself back in the school so she can better, you know, their situation. She moves around. And you really feel it. So it's not, I'm not feeling for the characters just because of the things that are happening. But because of just the way Patricia acted these scenes really drew that out of me. That woman made me cry in like the best f- possible way in a way that really none of these other actresses in this category did and i let me tell you something i cried at almost every single one of these oscar movies this year and only in boyhood did patricia and her character and what she did with it only in there did it really uh turn me into a weeping willow just um it almost made me start to go like you know this boy what's going on with this character you know what i mean movies called boyhood i'm like nah i'm interested in mom you know we i gotta say i didn't really know patricia arquette's name before i saw boyhood back in september phenomenal job i left that theater i i stopped and i waited for the credits because i wanted to see who that woman was because as I left that that movie, I was like, "That's the Oscar winner right there." I don't care who else gets nominated. I don't need. I had, that was the first of all these movies I saw, and it was the first one where I went, "No, Patricia, that's her. She gets the Oscar." F-ing stellar job by that woman, and I really hope to see uh, other great things from her in the future films. So uh, that, that that's my take on the uh, the best actress in a supporting role Oscar category. I've been Billy Persida. From uh, the Man Whore Podcast, a sex-positive quest for love, a podcast where every week I chat with women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, and sexuality. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. And you can find me over on Twitter, at TheBillyPercida. That's P-R-O-C-I-D-A. Enjoy the rest of the categories. Go Birdman! Yeah, and that was uh, the Man Whore Podcast, uh, Sex Positive Quest for Love. Uh, thanks so much for submitting your uh, clip to us, uh, uh, Billy. Um, if you guys want to know, that that podcast is really interesting. It's it's him talking to girls that he's hooked up with and 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 had relationships with. Um, <laughs> And it's just it's a really interesting interesting podcast, and I, I believe at one point or currently they're uh, giving away he's he's giving away condoms or selling condoms with man whore printed on the side, I guess. Um, Sweet, yeah. So it's a, it's a really it's a fun podcast. Check it out. Um. All right. All right. Yeah. Moving on to the other side, best actor, uh, and that is presented to you by the Cinema Rolls podcast. So here you go. 
Hey, Obsessive Viewer listeners, I'm Matt, and I'm here with... And I'm Alex, and we want to thank Matt, Tiny, and Mike for having us on. Yeah, and we're going to be doing the nominees for the Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And uh, before we get going on that, we are from the Cinema Rolls Movie Podcast. You can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, or our website at cinemarollspodcast.com. So, without further ado, let's get into the nominees. Alex, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so we got Robert Duvall for his role in The Judge... Ethan Hawke for Boyhood. Ed Norton for Birdman. Or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Yeah, that's They kept I doing had. that at the Oscar. Uh, <laughs> the Parentheses, I guess. Yeah. Uh, then we have Mark Ruffalo for Foxcatcher. And finally, rounding it out, we have J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Okay, so before we get into our picks, let's just do a little bit of, little bit of a disclaimer so we're 100% transparent with uh, the obsessive viewer listeners. Um, I have seen Foxcatcher, Whiplash, Birdman, and Boyhood, and I have not seen The Judge. And I'm super slacking. I've only seen Boyhood and Birdman, uh, so I haven't seen Foxcatcher, Whiplash, or The Judge. That's okay, though. The Oscars are all about speculation. and. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure I'll watch them before the Academy Awards. Yeah, that's good. But, okay. Yeah, Especially... but to be honest, I really had no interest in seeing The Judge. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that Robert Duvall is up there. Yeah. I know. I know. We're not getting into speculations just I won't yet. See but the judge. yeah, I'm not going to see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was. I've what I've heard is it's it's just okay. So there are a lot. Was, of it, okay. was it you who was saying like it seems like the kind of movie that your dad would like? Yeah. Right. Dad would be like, "Hey, have you seen this movie, The Judge?" The Judge is excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great father son movie. Yeah, it pro- hey, it might be, and it looks like a, a good TV movie. I would say, but uh, yeah, it looks it looks like a like a Hallmark movie on steroids. On steroids, okay. All right, so let's get into our picks. Um, let's do our dark horse first, and then we'll reveal our uh, our, our pick for the for the best one. Um, let me look through these nominees here. So just to remind you guys: Robert Duvall, Ethan Hawke, Ed Norton, Mark Ruffalo, and J.K. Simmons. Uh, so Alex, do you do you have a dark horse in this category? I think I, I think it's a toss up between Ed Norton and Mark Ruffalo Ed for Norton my dark horse. Ruffalo. Even though I haven't seen Foxcatcher, I've heard. I mean, a couple of my friends who've seen it are like, they're blown away by Mark Ruffalo's performance. Although, you know, they're not movie people, so well, take it with, with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but Ed Norton was amazing in Birdman, and I think it was kind of even more amazing that it was this, like, meta performance where he was playing himself almost. Right, yeah. Well, and the thing that Birdman has going for it is we know the movie's a strong contender for Best Picture, so a lot of times that things kind of piggyback off of that. You know, if if you know the Academy really loves Birdman, which I know they do, then, you know. But, I mean, Boyhood is also another strong contender. I'll say yeah, this. but I, I don't think Ethan Hawke... Ethan Hawke played Ethan Hawke in, in Boyhood. Yeah. Like, he's, he reminded me of an older version of his character in Reality Bites. Okay, so I... And that's, that's, like, what I think of when I think of Ethan Hawke. I liked Ethan Hawke in it, um, but I just think it was like subtle you know i like yeah. i guess i liked where his character went in the movie more than i don't want to say anything bad about his acting because it wasn't but i think ed norton is is a stronger pick uh yeah i think well i think ethan hawk was very good in boyhood yeah i just think as far as the supporting characters go i think patricia arquette was oh, a yeah. stronger character oh, yeah completely and I, I think it honestly I, I it didn't show a lot of range for ethan hawk mm-hmm because when I think think of Ethan Hawke, I think of Reality Bites, and that's pretty much what I saw. 
from his performance in Boyhood. Yeah. Like an older, like growing up version of that guy. Okay. So yeah, my dark horse, um, I think I'm going to go with Mark Ruffalo just because uh, his performance in Foxcatcher was really subtle. Uh, man, I, I want to say Mark Ruffalo and Ed Norton too, but um, I'm going to go Mark Ruffalo for my dark horse. And for my, my main pick, I think this is kind of obvious, he's the front runner. J.K. Simmons and Whiplash. What about you? Yeah, I think, in my opinion, there's no doubt that J.K. Simmons is going to win. Yeah, the, and this he, everyone's been talking about it. He won the Golden Globe, which is usually a, a good indication. Yeah, you know, if coming, if not a shoe in It's coming from from your perspective of not even having seen the movie, but just having heard the, the buzz completely surrounding it. You know, it's a lot of times you just know going into it. But yeah, so J.K. Simmons, I think is I think he'll take it away, and I think it's a great choice. Um, if you guys haven't seen Whiplash, I would definitely check it out. So uh, we want to thank Matt and the Obsessive Viewer crew for having us on. And we hope you guys enjoy the Oscars. All right, that's uh, Cinema Rolls Podcast. You can find them at cinemarollspodcast.com. And also, I was a I was a guest on, I think it was episode 14. Uh, there they're a, a couple of really uh, fun guys to talk to. And uh, they do some really good podcasting. So check them cool. out. And J.K. Simmons, right? I mean, based on what I've heard, yeah. yeah. People, people won't shut up about it, really. <laughs> this is probably the, the, the biggest slam dunk of the whole show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it was funny because uh, Tiny, <laughs> in the pod chat, Tiny said, um, how did you phrase it? Like, oh, because you, you haven't seen Whiplash yet. Right. And you were like, so is uh, uh, J.K. Simmons better than Ed Norton? And Ed <laughs> Norton was great in, in Birdman. He really was, but... Man, J.K. Simmons. Yep. Ah. He's a force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have to say, Ethan Hawke uh, was arguably the brightest point of uh, boyhood for me. I thought he was, I, I liked him a lot in the movie. I thought he was great. Um, and I loved Edward. It's, I was so happy to see Edward Norton do something good again. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> truly be exceptional again. What's funny about that is he plays an actor who is very he's playing difficult. Himself. Yeah, he's very yeah. difficult yeah. to work with. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that's, I was going to bring that up when we talked about the movie that I'm sorry. Edward Norton and uh, Michael Keaton were kind of playing versions of themselves. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, moving on, let's do uh, the big categories. We got three left. So stick with us, listeners. We're going with Best Actress in a Leading Role. The nominees are Marianne Cotillard, Two Days and One Night, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, Felicity Jones in The Theory of Everything, Reese Witherspoon in Wild, and Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Do you want me to take it? or this? I'll, I'll start. This okay, one's cool. tough for me uh, because I think Julianne Moore is kind of in the lead here. Uh, and in fact, I think most people are calling her a slam dunk for this one. But I haven't seen Still Alice. Um, I, I think Julianne Moore does fantastic work and I, I think she's due. So I kind of hope she gets it. And I really want to see Still Alice. but uh, And I also have not seen Two Days, One Night, but I, I don't think people are talking about Marion Cotillard all that much so of the three that I have seen I would just give it to Rosamund Pike um, the the way she plays such a despicable person uh, was pretty convincing I didn't really like Reese Witherspoon all that much in Wild I, I think it was pretty easy to play uh, a drugged out person on the way to recovery and I also didn't think Felicity Jones did all that much in the theory of everything I know Matt you think differently about that right, um, right. so my vote is Rosamund Pike, but I, I think Julianne Moore will win it. Interesting. Tiny? 
Um, yeah, I've only seen Felicity Jones and Rosamund Pike. Those are the only two I've actually seen. Same here. Of those two, I have to give it to Rosamund Pike as well. Uh, I appreciated Felicity, Felicity Jones's subtlety in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, the way she kind of played that line, I, I appreciated that a lot. But yeah, I'd like to see Julianne Moore win, Moore win one as well. Like Mike mm-hmm. said, she's due. Um, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I'll go with Felicity Jones, even though it's it's kind of a dark horse uh, mm-hmm. choice. Because, um, I mean, the, the power of the acting in that movie belongs to Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. But I think what charmed me so much about her performance in it was, like Tiny said, the subtlety, and also just that she could keep up with them, and it, it, they they yeah. played off each other so well, and you kind of believe that these two characters were in love, and and you kind of, I was kind of just really in, uh, in into just the story of their of their relationship, um, and a, a lot of that was due to both of their performances. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I do, you know. I haven't seen Gone Girl since the theater, but Rosamund Pike I thought was 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 pretty good. Um, I, I wouldn't say that she was that she was the best. Like it, I didn't think it was like the greatest role ever, and that may be colored by the fact that I had just finished reading the book, and mm-hmm. uh, and and but I just thought that it was I thought that it was a really good thriller kind of role for to take, and I I just didn't really. I didn't really get the transformation aspect of it that people were um, heralding so much. Yeah. Um, but if I were to pick the winner, I would say probably Julianne Moore. Just I, I haven't seen Still Alice, but I've heard I've heard a lot of buzz about it. And uh, I remember on one podcast, I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were talking about how she is yet to win an Oscar, and this could be just her, you know, hey, we haven't given her one. Hey, she plays a character with Alzheimer's. Let's throw it to her. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Sandra Bullock. This is the best she'll ever do. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was mean. Anyway, um, I think the <laughs> I think the jury's out on those, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, moving on. We got two left. We've got Best Actor in a Leading Role: Steve Carell for Foxcatcher. Uh, some guy named Michael Keaton for Birdman, <laughs> Bradley Cooper and American Snooper, Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything, and Benedict Cumberbatch just because his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why I didn't take this one seriously. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You were so uniform through the entire episode. I know. I, know. And now we have I was so left. very unlike me throughout the whole podcast. I just had to throw in a little a little something at the end. Uh two man race, right guys? Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Keaton and Redmayne, you mean? Keaton and Keaton and Redmayne, yeah. yep. Can we talk about Bradley Cooper? And we'll sure. talk about the movie coming up here in a bit, but Well, he's nominated because he's famous. He's nominated because Because oh of David O. Russell. That's why he's nominated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like this would be his third consecutive nomination, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I feel like that. Uh, that, that movie. We'll talk about it in a moment, but yeah. his performance was just so lacking in it. Like yeah. they took a character that could have been a very like deep character, mm-hmm. and the the uh, the amount of depth to his performance was him reacting to reacting to sound effects. Mm-hmm. Like that was how I felt about his performance, and it's just. Ugh. In in a, in a category where um, where uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was snubbed, yeah. like I found his, I found Bradley Cooper's performance almost offensive. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. I totally. I disagree to an extent because I I think he actually captured Chris Kyle really well. 
mm-hmm. the real Chris Kyle really well, but I I agree. I don't think he should have been nominated over Jake Gyllenhaal by any yeah. means. Well, uh, let me just say, there are other problems with American Sniper oh, than yeah. his performance. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think he was bad at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem people have with American Sniper is that the trailers uh, made it out to look like it was going to be a a PTSD movie advertisement and it really 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 wasn't it really um, really should have been should have been yeah Ugh. absolutely and i wonder i i think bradley cooper's a great actor and i mm-hmm. think if we would have gotten that movie we would have seen something different from bradley cooper but yeah um I don't mean to say it's not good because he didn't have anything to do because I also just think he wasn't that great in it. But but kind of like you said, I think there's a lot wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, David Olayweo, mm-hmm. either of them were better than Bradley Cooper. In fact, either of them were better than Benedict Cumberbatch too. I, w- I would switch the two of them out for Bradley Cooper and Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> he – I mean – he was playing Sherlock in the imitation game. No. <laughs> no, he wasn't. You said that so casually. No, your opinion's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't Matt, mean to sound like a dick. Game? I, I haven't yet. Oh, you haven't? Okay. No. I didn't I mean, mean to sound like I mean, he was good. I, I'd go as far as saying he was great, but I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't think he was special. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was all right. But, I'll circle back to it and, and be the tiebreaker for you guys later. <laughs> but like Mike said, it's really between Keaton and Redmayne. Two um, man yeah. Yes. Yeah, two man race. I, I got to go with Keaton. Really? I mean, I know. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's Either one could win it. I'd be perfectly fine mm-hmm. with it. But I don't know. I just, uh, I really can't justify it over <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. I mean, I can talk about how ridiculously amazing the performance was. But I can't say how much better it was than Eddie Redmayne because I don't know that it really was so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, just a, it, it could be knee jerk again since I just saw it. <laughs> um, and maybe because the movie overall, I think was Birdman was overall better than the Theory of Everything. Maybe that has something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm throwing my hat to Keaton. Um, with me, it's it's a tough call. I. I... I really, really loved Keaton's performance and in a movie that's so it felt like a stage production and and that's some that's that kind of energy is really hard to translate to film and in part because of Keaton's performance it it translated really well. Um obviously there are other factors to that, but I think he did just a spectacular job. But Man, Eddie Redmayne. He, I mean, it was you talk about transformative performances, and like he just ran the gamut of his his performance. Just really uh, went from a physical, a, like the physical degradation of of um, of uh, uh, Stephen Hawking's body, and also just the emotion that he that he put he put the emphasis. He put an emotional eff- emphasis <laughs> in certain like scenes, and 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 he really just he had complete control over the character and over the performance. That I I just I think that can't that can't be matched in this category. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. Michael Keaton was awesome, but I think we know he can do that kind of work, and and I don't. Um, you know, he, he reminded people a lot of what he's capable of, but I don't think he blew anybody away, uh, with, with his performance of Birdman in Birdman. Um, but Eddie Ray, Eddie Redmayne was, was transformative. I mean, he was, 
transcendent. It was it was just really fun to watch him. Um, I think the only trouble for me, and this is kind of tiny what you said, is that Birdman is a better movie. And and I would say Birdman is a much better movie. I um I wouldn't go as far as saying I disliked the theory of everything, but uh I don't I don't think it was great. Um and so a great, great, great performance in a not great movie, it 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 kind of detracts a little bit, but I I can't. It doesn't detract enough for me to for me to give my vote to Eddie Redmayne because it was he was just awesome in it. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, we'll talk more about the movie here in a second. Do you want to bring us into Best Picture? Yes, the last one. Yes. This is. Um, I I know we said we'd kind of wait a little bit to talk about what we think about the Oscars. Um, mm-hmm. But I love talking about Best Picture. I remember in 06 when the Bears lost the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I was devastated. Uh, and so a couple months later, the Oscars came around and The Departed was my favorite movie of that year. And I remember saying to a few people, you know, it's not going to make the Super Bowl feel better, but I'll feel slightly more at ease if the departed wins and it won best picture and i know that's silly and i know if you're um if you're a fan of sports you you probably can't imagine that a movie would make you feel better but i i just love movies so much and for for to be validated by an academy of people who make movies it it was just kind of cool so i always think there's something there's something special about a best picture and there is, you know, a movie forever is remembered as best picture winner, whatever, uh, Shakespeare in love. <laughs> so, um, I just, I just love that about best picture. You guys have anything to say before I read the nominees? Avatar didn't win best picture, did it? No, it no, didn't. Thank no. God. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was yeah. a hurt locker that year, right? I think so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the know. most deserving in recent memory, actually. Yeah, I don't remember what it was running against, but yeah, I liked it. Yeah, uh, Zero Dark Thirty on the other hand. Yeah, which I don't much. even know if that was that even nominated. I don't think it got that many nominations. I don't think so. Either. I think it was nominated for Best Picture, though. Was yeah. it probably? Yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, to you know, and we like I struggle with just the Oscars. Like I don't. I mean, I don't care about like the prestige of them or anything like that. And I think that I would care a lot more if if they were a little more respectable. Like it's more politics than than actual um, acclaim for for the actual filmmaking. It's more political than anything else. Um, but yeah, it is. It is basically the movie fans' equivalent of the Super Bowl. There's a lot of people just you know running at each other and hitting each other. <laughs> um, not really. That's a the commercials part. are the best part. The commercials yeah. are the best part. <laughs> um, <laughs> Halftime shows them. No, that's not. no, that's not yeah. all true. All <laughs> true. But there is a certain acclaim that comes with, especially Best Picture, and and yeah, and what I what I come away from the Oscars with isn't so much the, Oh yes, this movie deserved it. This movie deserved that. This movie did that. It's more like, okay, now that this person has this Oscar, they can go and do something really incredible or they can, yeah. it's more like, I think of it as a kind of the business aspect of Hollywood, which I have nothing to do with cause I'm sitting in a room in speedway, Indiana, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I kind of like it for that. And, and for that reason, I guess. Yeah. I, this category specifically, of the Oscars has lost so much of its prestige. Um, it has turned into, it used to be so objective. It used to be the best movie of the year. Um, but now it's kind of like, 
what Hollywood thinks of itself, kind of. Because mm-hmm. it's just so it's so incestuous that way. Um, it's it, I just I just think it's sad that a movie like Crash is held in the same annals as The Godfather now, and that's just that's sad because Crash was a eh, movie. Um, but, but yeah, it's I, like, and I wouldn't even go as far as saying Crash is eh, but it's not Brokeback Mountain, and that's the problem. There you go. Yeah, that too. That too. I I would hold Brokeback Mountain in the same prestige as The Godfather. But not sure, crash. Right. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about Best Picture. But to what Mike said, it is so much fun to talk about because it's the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. It's just that's why it's saved for last at the Oscars. That's why we're talking about it last. Yeah. And these, yeah, yeah, and and these like the winner of Best Picture will go on to be like, oh, this is Best Picture winner. I mean, right. And these are movies that you watch every like all the time. I yeah. mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, yearly. I've watched The Artist. I mean, come on. In theory, it's supposed <laughs> um, to be. That way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've haven't. I've never seen The Artist. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. It's good. You're not missing a whole lot, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a best picture. That was well, a down, that was a down year for the yeah. Oscars. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So anyway, the nominees Without are the nominees ado. for best picture are American Sniper. Speaking of movies, that <laughs> um, should we go point by point and talk about, or just run through the list and then go point by let's, point? Yeah, let me run through and then, right, and then yeah. we can do point by point. Uh, by the way, there can be up to ten nominees. It's based on how many number one votes it gets, uh, and th- this year there are eight nominees: American Sniper, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything. And whiplash. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Interstellar got snubbed. I'm totally joking. <laughs> do you guys want to go point by point for these? Sure. Sure, we can do that. Okay. American Sniper. Um, why? Because, why? <laughs> yeah. Because of Clint Eastwood? I don't understand. I don't understand this, this dark horse weird thing that American Sniper did in the 11th hour. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I I understand why the world, why America loves this movie so much. I don't agree, but I understand. But why does the Academy love this movie so much? Uh, Thank you. You took the words out of my mouth, kind of. You know, and you can say that it's because of Clint Eastwood, and I mean, the Academy does kind of have a hard-on for him, but Mm -hmm. my God, this movie just sucked. (laughs) <laughs> I, I did not like American Sniper. I mean, just and and the uh, like. Okay, uh, <laughs> so many things. So many things. Like, okay, yes, we talked about Bradley Cooper not not being that great in it, and and yeah, he wasn't that good. He wasn't the standout. the The movie overall was just a completely mediocre movie. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is just totally forgettable. And I mean, it's sad because you know the guy, the guy was an acclaimed warrior basically and and it's it's not really and there's a lot of controversy surround, surrounding his character um and in real life and everything but aside from that i mean this movie just it it felt like it was just playing it so safe so many times oh like, yeah there you go yeah. there were these moments where chris kyle in the movie but bradley cooper is just he's just playing this stoic uh this kind of quiet and humble and heroic guy and it's like you are not capturing the meat of the character and at all like you're not showing like you're hinting at ptsd which is what the movie should have been and could have been the movie could have been a really really 
um, a really, really important piece about the horrors of PTSD um, and, and what, what needs to be done to help people suffering from it. But no, it's a three quarters of it is just war footage that feels like any other modern, uh, modern war movie from, from the most recent wars. But uh, and just the writing and, and every aspect of it was just so, just so mediocre. Um, you can read my review on obsessiveviewer.com. Which that review is great. Oh, thank you. Really, I was like, These, this is what I'm thinking, and he wrote it. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I disagree, however, though, with what you said about the character. Because, really? Because I think you have to – well, let, let, me, let me phrase it this way. Okay. I think you have to, you have to be true to life to okay. a certain extent, and I think Chris Kyle was a pretty stoic – humble you know doesn't embrace the hero worship that's hoisted upon him okay that's kind of that's really who he was i've seen interviews i've seen him like the actual guy i agree and he also didn't suffer i don't think that much from ptsd exactly i don't think he suffered from it hardly at all actually and so that's i mean you would have to drastically change the character in the movie from what the real man was and so i understand why you can't really strike that balance i think it should have just been about him killing 160 people because that's what he's famous for. I mean, that's that, that's that's, he, that's why he's notable. He's the most deadly sniper in American mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it should have been about him killing 160 people and not about anything else. Because that's what's not <laughs> or in, in or fact, him you know, working. They, with they veterans. fabricated a lot of the guilt that he felt. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. See, and and I I think I think they could have focused on that or him helping veterans. That's what I wanted them to That do. would have been good, too, because um, that's something he was really passionate yeah. about. And, and they fabricated a lot of the war stuff, too. Like, that whole sniper guy yeah. is and just completely fabricated for just... And it's felt like just such a movie trope. And I highly doubt he successfully killed someone from 2,100 yards away. I actually heard that that is, like, his Is best. that true? Yeah. Jesus. Um, that's so far. But... Okay. And yeah, sure, okay, yeah. He could have been, you know, stoic and humble and all that stuff, but... I mean, and I, I made a point. I made such a strong point not to read or or listen to or do anything about, like, the controversy surrounding him and stuff uh, until I saw the movie and wrote my review independent from that. And I prided myself on that. I pride my, proed myself on that. I probed myself pretty <laughs> hard for <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> but having read some of the stuff, uh, I just, I just some of the stuff is just did not sit right with me. Yeah, as him yeah, as a person, I don't like the guy. I I really don't either. I I, I mean you know, and and it's that's such just a, it it's such a a, a shitty climate for us to live in because you can't say anything about you know right. the military or anything without people being like, well, you don't care about America, you suck and everything. It's like, right. okay, well the guy did say that he you know killed a bunch of people in New Orleans and he said that he. I don't want to get into it, but I'm, like the gas station thing, that just bugged me. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, you told us about yeah, it. Yeah, I told you guys about it. Yeah, that just – I was just like, really? I, I, I don't know. Any, anyway, so sure, he could have been stoic and, and very humble and everything, but yeah. he also clearly had some kind of something that could have made for a more interesting character in a movie about him. Yeah. But if you're a first-time listener and you loved it, we loved it too. It was awesome. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Um, Clint Eastwood is a god. <laughs> Unless you didn't like the movie, in which case the movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, I'm, and and like I I will say this that that 
reading reading about who he was as a person and the controversy surrounding him after after seeing the movie and everything that didn't affect my my liking of the movie or disliking of the movie i still came away from it thinking that it was a perfectly mediocre movie yeah um i just felt like there's just so much more that could have been done with it as a as a piece about ptsd Having said that, what's next? <laughs> Agreed. Uh, the next movie to talk about is The Imitation Game. Take it away, guys. I didn't see this one. <laughs> uh, I thought the movie was was really, really pretty good. Um, I, I saw it kind of late in the game, so I had all of these others in mind. In fact, I think The Imitation Game was. It was the last movie I saw. And so already it was like, okay, I have to choose between Whiplash, Boyhood, and Birdman. And those three kept circling around in my mind. So The Imitation Game was was pretty good. Um, where a lot of these other movies were kind of uh, like performance pieces and, well, not, not, not really. I don't know why I said that. I guess I'm thinking about the best actors. Um, <laughs> I I liked the story of the imitation game, um, but for me it was just a it was just a pretty fine movie. Agreed. It uh, it really lacked focus in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Kind of it should have been two either two separate movies or strike a better balance. It was like part biopic, part period piece, and yep, they did totally. not mesh them together well at all. Right. Um. It it just lacked focus in that respect, but um, still good. And I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great. <laughs> Bias. I love him. Yeah. And Chris Kyle's wife was just. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I have to. I have to check out Imitation Game and and give you guys my thoughts on it in a potpourri section in an upcoming episode. For sure. Next movie, Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. And I'll start here. Um, this movie is so good and it's such, it's such an adventure to watch and it's so exciting from start to finish that it's really hard to, it's really hard to vote against it. It's one of the front runners. Uh, as we know, I I think it's a two horse race, Birdman or Boyhood. And I would really be okay, um, with either of them winning. I I think we should all save our, save our vote for the end, but, um, Birdman was just so fun to watch and someone who who really likes um, Michael Keaton. I, I really like everybody involved with the movie, but I was really glad to see Michael Keaton do this movie. And I know I read an interview with him in EW where like the easy story is that this is a movie kind of about his life and he was trying to say something, but it's really not. I mean, Michael Keaton is is pretty far away from that character that we see yes. in Birdman. You know, he's not... He's not hung up on Batman at all. And, and that's kind of cool because that just that shows that it was a performance. And I really appreciate the subtlety of that, the difference that he had to play that we don't really know about. Um, and so that was fun to watch. And, of course, the, the directing and the cinematography, if anything, watch it for that. Birdman is a, is a fantastic movie. I definitely agree. Yeah. Well said. And I mean, people say, "Oh, yeah, it's autobiographical for for Michael Keaton, or it's biographical for Michael Keaton, and all that." But I mean, it, I agree, it's it's really not. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of that's to be to be honest, that's kind of an easy comparison to make, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Chef was more biographical of of John Favreau. Yeah. Than mm-hmm. this was. Um. But yeah, I mean, I agree. You hit the nail on the head. I so much about this movie is just so so good. I mean, there's it's hard to really find fault in it. Um. Yeah, uh, tiny. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you, you have never seen a movie like Birdman before. Uh, right. No one has because it's never been done. It's just so, so unique and original. And I think that's something that's really missing in modern and a lot of new movies that come out is originality. Um, and the, the performances are all just spot on. I think um, Zach Galifianakis' character could have used a little more, just a couple more scenes, but I didn't mm. really care that he didn't get developed as well as the other characters because he just wasn't as important. Um, and there was, if I could cut in real quick, sorry. Uh, and there was like a, a certain, I won't spoil it or anything, but there was a certain scene with uh Naomi Watts that felt like a reference to one of her earlier movies. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's also like kind of just completely dropped and kind of just kind of no, out of nowhere. And right. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind it at all, <laughs> but, um, but it was still kind of like, there were some elements to the movie that weren't fully, fully formed, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it didn't take away from the, from the main focus right uh you know everyone's talking like like mike said everyone's talking about michael keaton and how it's autobiographical but it's 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 not it's just that there are certain i mean keaton keaton has said that it's not right Mm -hmm. i I, yeah they're they're just there there are certain aspects of the character and michael keaton's career that are very similar yeah like like riggan uh he's he's in a really dark spot and i mean michael keaton did post-grad i mean he's doing okay (laughs) um yeah um, so yeah, the movie is just remarkable. Like I said, you've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah. so glad to see Edward Norton doing something good again. Me too. It's been a long time, uh, since he's done, been truly good. Yeah. Um, um, pardon me for, for being rude, but if you love movies, you need to see Birdman. Yeah. True. If you love, uh, performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, really. And production. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, if you're a nerd for anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's awe inspiring and it's, and it's film filmic. The, the camera work was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of it was a bit, it took me out of the movie just a little bit. Um, for example, like kind of the really, really close ups they did kind of like stoic or static close-ups of people even like there's there's a, a few scenes where ever norton and emma stone are having a conversation on the balcony of the, the theater and at one point it just it just closes in really tight on their faces and it's just kind of like whoa hang on back up it's just I don't yeah know. i i agree huh. with you it's it's not it's not bad i'm not knocking it for it it just soared it was just sort of a strange element to me it kind of took hmm. me out a little bit um, yeah but yeah again like matt said they filmed this thing in an actual theater yeah these weren't sets which People don't realize how much room you really need to right. film a scene and packed having two actors and a whole crew packed onto a balcony of a theater. I'm sure it got really tight in there yeah. as well as right. all the corridors and whatnot. Huh. So it's really impressive what they were able to capture. Yeah. And that didn't really uh, register with me. That'll be interesting to go back and see it again, which I mean, my God, this is going to be a movie I see oh, yeah. several times over. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And just the, the statements it makes about just celebrity and, and, yeah. and about just – ambition and, and, and wanting for things <laughs> right. uh, professionally. It's, it's just, it's, it's something just really strong. It's a really strong statements that are made in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next movie is Selma. Did you guys see this movie? Unfortunately, no, no, nope, I haven't Matt. seen it. 
Okay. Those uh, this is this is one I did see. Well, I saw them all, so I, I saw it. Um, and it's and it's really really great. One of the things that I've talked about, I think I talked about this in the last episode, but mm-hmm. I also I also wrote about it recently. Um, is there is a big stink over the lack of uh, non-white um, movies and, and representation at the Oscars, and they are so so right. Uh, the fact that the director of Selma did not get nominated is is interesting. Uh, David Ole, Oleweo did not get nominated. That's interesting. I'm trying to find a safe word to use here. Um, and that Selma got nominated is interesting as well. I don't think Selma is a best picture. I, I don't think it necessarily needed to be nominated. And my point with the whole thing, um, the whole stink, is that Yes, it is true there is a lack of um, non-white people being recognized at the Oscars, but that's not the Academy's problem. Um, the Academy is is nominating for the most part. I know we've kind of um, taken a crap on the Academy Awards a little bit, the Oscars, but uh, for the most part, they are nominating the, the best movies. They are recognizing the best work. The problem is Hollywood's. Hollywood is not giving brilliant work to women. It's not giving brilliant work to black people. It is not giving br- uh, brilliant work to more people like Inuratu. Um, and, and so that is the problem. So n- not that the Academy Awards and the Academy is um, – without any blame but i I think the problem is is hollywood's um back back to selma what i loved about selma are um there are scenes early on in the movie where where dr king comes into a room and kind of talks about his plan with what he wants to do with selma and uh and it's almost kind of like a war scene and and it's cool to juxtapose that the preparation for a war uh, for something so peaceful that they're that they're trying to do, those shots were filmed really mm. well. Um, I also learned some things that I didn't know before, which was always a good thing. But um, the whole thing felt just kind of kind of lacking something, um, and I and I wish it had a little bit more. I loved that it was it just took place in Selma and it wasn't a full biopic, so I'll give it that. But I I, I think I would have liked. A little bit more. Interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to to catching up with Selma and uh, the Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the only two nominees that I didn't catch the gotcha. Best Picture nominees. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, All right. Well said. Uh, so the next one is Boyhood. Yes, I. You, you know, I I really 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 liked it. Um, and it. <sighs> I mean, what really else is there to say about it other than, I mean, it, what we said before, it's a very, um, it's a very unique movie and, and not some, or not, it's a very unique movie in both the way that it was shot and, and it's kind of inherent kind of gimmick. Uh, but it's also just a very, just really interesting movie about growing up and about how the passage of time just kind of sneaks up on everyone and and it's not they do this in such a such a gradual way it's it's just such a such an interesting way to show the passage of time to a viewer um cuz i mean it, like the big statements of the movie could be could be in like a little 
the size of a commercial that shows someone growing up and then like, oh, hey, time flies. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they have such a nuance in this movie um, that it really kind of sneaks up on you. Um, and I didn't say this in, in the director uh, bit, but um, there's one scene in it that just kind of stuck with me. Like there, it's a, a two, two and a half minute scene um, that's just a, a continuous shot of um, um, Eller and, and some girl walking, like walking down like uh, an alleyway talking. And it's just a completely innocuous scene, but it's one continuous take. The girl isn't even doing that good of a job acting. Uh, a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. 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 But it just something about it just stuck with me because it, it just felt like like you're seeing them be kind of real. I mean, just being like at this point, I think he's like 14, 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it just feels so, so genuine to me, despite the girls acting. Um, it just it's some, a lot of it. A lot of the movie just resonated with me as as someone who, you know, um, I, I don't know how to phrase it. I mean. Maybe it's part of just, you know, being at my age, I'm 28 years old and I'm kind of like thinking like, oh yeah, you know, I, I used to be, I used to be a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that, maybe it's playing on kind of a nostalgia for me, but I really enjoyed the movie. And oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. You guys talk now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really wasn't crazy about the movie. I, um. I think it deserves this nomination because it's because of the project itself and how ambitious it was. Uh, and, and it's, I think even the fact that I don't like it that much and I don't think it was that great of a movie, the fact that it was made will be pointed to in the future. Like oh, this, mm-hmm. this dude took 12 years to make a movie. It's pretty cool. Um, but I, one of the things that I just, one of the conclusions I came to as I was watching it is I think it's, this is such a weird thing to say, but I think the movie is too universal. <laughs> Two minute, two, every, literally every single person that sits down and watches the movie can relate to it because every single person that sits down and watches the movie grew up. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just too universal. Like I don't know. I, I I mean not not everyone had to overcome problems the way that the character did. Not mm-hmm. everyone had divorced parents. All that stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, there is there is adversity there, but I don't know. I just. I mean, and one one point I'll make is if you if you make the same movie but use a different actor to portray the kid and film it over three months, not a good movie at all. It's hmm. it's very gimmicky to me. The, the gimmick is that they filmed one scene every year That's for twelve years. Mind blowing to me. It's just gimmicky it's, to me. Okay, fair to each their uh, own. Yeah. But I think you're really uh, really not giving it enough credit in terms of its depiction of of being uh, about a kid raised or kids raised by, you know struggling you know single parents or, or a, a split family dynamic like that mike how uh, rebuttal mike <laughs> <laughs> i adore this movie so much it uh, i think the debate people have with boyhood is kind of kind of to what you were saying tiny is is um is the movie where is a movie where not a whole lot happens uh, and the the biggest drama of it is the passage of time is that enough um, or is it too little? Can you can you enjoy a movie where not that much happens? And for me, gosh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, Tony, I see what you're saying about how it's it's almost too universal, but I I don't I don't see that as a fault. Um, I think that um, 
there's a reason that Eller Coltrane was not nominated for best actor. I think he gets worse <laughs> as time goes on. Yeah. I thought he got um, kind of better, but oh. I mean, teach their, <laughs> oh, man. he's just, he, he kind of quits acting toward the end of the movie. I, and, and, and he's, if recite, you're, if he's you're, reciting lines by the end of the movie. I think what, what if your if your problem is that it's too, it's too real, it's too existential, then, mm-hmm. then that's, that's your best ammo. That's your best, um, <laughs> evidence is is him kind of at the end of the movie but if you if you buy in early on if you like who this character is and you like that the way he deals with life is to is to kind of shut himself in and and he's very contemplative and he he's very you know i use the word existential and and that's what kind of boy he is it's it's really awesome that they decided on that character so early on and mm-hmm. kind of used real things about these characters and and also split those with the uh Richard Linklater's vision to to make these these characters that to me while like I said not a whole lot happens are so so interesting to watch it was a a, a fast 2 hours and 40 minutes for me and it's definitely a movie that I'll watch again. It's it's the movie out of all of these that I felt the most watching. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I I mean, and and to say, like, I'm not saying that Eller Coltrane is like the is like the next Daniel Day Lewis by any means <laughs> or anything like that. He's yeah, he is deservedly not nominated. But um, I think that his performance, like, yeah, sure, maybe he did just kind of quit acting. But uh, like you said, Mike, he, the character is just a very contemplative, existential person, and he's very kind of kind of quiet and introverted. And I think that just resonated with me. Because uh, mm-hmm. I remember that from being a teenager, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I just I don't know. I I really love the movie. So yeah. I I feel like the, 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 this movie has been. I, I feel like that this story has been told before. A kid growing up and dealing with adversity and coming of age and all those things that's been told before, and it's been told before with with so much more efficacy in other movies. I, I don't know. I just didn't really feel it in this. And I thought it was other movies that have told this story were so much more profound than this, in my opinion. Interesting. Um, that's just me. I don't know. I wasn't impressed with it that much. Okay. Sure. Loved Ethan Hawke. I wanted, I wanted to see the movie about Ethan Hawke's character, not this kid. <laughs> he was... Uh... Yeah, I that's just, true. I, I liked yeah. him a lot. I, I liked... I don't know. I just I just liked the... 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 um just the gradual way that things changed. And it's just such a, I don't like you say that movies like this have been made so many, so many times before. And yeah, yeah. Coming of age movies have been, have been made before and everything like that. But there's such a, yeah, I think that comment is a, is a slight to what the movie did. Yeah. Because those movies like, like this genre of movie is, is so, um, so, uh, so predicated by, or so in, so, What's the word I'm looking for? Is it predicated the right word? I'm losing it. It's so dependent on like kind of like these kind of dramatic set pieces that turn into cliches that mm-hmm. that turns into melodrama. Which all this is just like there's like there's one sequence that can you know it gets a little bit too dramatic for the movie that it that it's in, but it's something that is just like like the drama. So much of the drama that would be in a normal coming of age movie that's just, you know, shot 
you know, whatever, like a dime a dozen coming of age movie. Mm -hmm. So much of that happens off screen and there's so much emphasis on just the fallout of these things or how these, how these characters are affected by the events and that you don't see like big dramatic moments happen to them. You see big dramatic moments, uh, uh, informing them and in, in molding them into a character that by the end of the movie is just a well-rounded character. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I was yeah. more, I was just more interested in Ethan Hawke's character than that kid. Sure, Te- I, I mean, mean teach yeah. their own. Yeah. And I, I really I have no desire to rip the movie to shreds right. because it's it was not an awful movie. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know I, I couldn't really get get behind it. I also just remem- remembered that I wrote a review that I never posted of it. So oh, really? That'll be up this week. Like, I'd, I'd give it like a 6 out of 10, which is not a negative review. Sure. It's just... Don't don't read my review. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, and, well from, my, <laughs> from, my, uh, from my perspective, I mean, I gave American Sniper 5.5 out of 5, so... Yeah. Which, based on how much you dislike it, I thought you would give it like a four. I probably should have, honestly. Three point five or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh well. Anyways, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's enough. Moving well, on. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the next movie is the Theory of Everything. And An- who's that? Who wants to start? Another movie that I wrote a review for that I never got around to posting. Again, these <laughs> hey. reviews will be up this week because they kind of have to be. <laughs> but um, you know, I really, really loved this movie. And my memory of it is just kind of settling into just really, really liking it. Um, mm. I I think the story that was told was just really well done um, in the subtlety of the performances. And it's it's kind of echoing what I said somewhat about Boyhood. Um, this movie kind of veers away from... <laughs> uh, from melodrama and, and the kind of big dramatic beats that a standard biopic would would take in favor of building these characters and their relationship in such a such a really really well done way in my opinion i mean you see you see certain their relationship takes certain turns that is communicated to the audience in just like very very small moments like like a gaze from felicity jones to eddie redmayne um that speaks volumes in in the movie um and it tells you so much more about their relationship than having this kind of – than risking the movie going into heavy-handed drama, um, which isn't really what the movie was was going for. Um, and I just – I and I love the humor of it too. Um, yeah. It was, it's, it was just delightful to see uh, Eddie Redmayne be so funny and so like yeah. down-to-earth as, as Stephen Hawking. It really painted a, just a really – Nice uh, portrayal. Yeah. Amidst the uh, struggles. Uh, now you guys talk. When you <laughs> when you reviewed this movie for your top ten, I, you rated it pretty high, didn't you? I did. I don't remember where I listed it, but I think I... And I don't, I don't know if we gave you a hard time for it, but I remember thinking, it, this feels knee-jerk, because this movie yeah. is... Not as great as he is saying it is. In the pod chat. I'll let him talk about it. Yeah. In the pod chat, we definitely had some of that. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. Yeah. (laughs) But Captain America should have won movie the year. (laughs) Uh, No. Yeah. The theory of everything is on this list probably the most forgettable of all the movies. Hmm. And uh, forgettable, and I mean that. American Sniper, I will remember because... 
it's a it's a what why the hell is this movie so popular right but the theory of everything i will forget very quickly sure yeah and by all rights this about there there should be a biopic about (laughs) stephen hawking he's one of the smartest humans to probably ever live Mm -hmm. smartest man in the 20th century arguably um so there should be a movie about I mean, I edit Stephen the podcast, <laughs> and I, I do so much, but whatever. You, you you get the 21st century, Matt. Oh, yeah, totally. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but this this felt a little um, a little too relationshipy to be a true biopic. Like, it was a little bit too much about the relationship for me. Okay, I'm glad that you said for me. <laughs> for me, yeah. Yeah, because I think that that's just what they were going for. Um, right. True, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I, I guess I just would rather see other things in regard to the life of Stephen Hawking as opposed to this one relationship, which okay. spanned roughly 20 years of his life. Yeah, yeah, true. Maybe a little more than that, maybe 30, but that's not even half his life because mm-hmm. the guy's like almost 80 now. I think he's seventy something. Sure, I want to say he's seventy something. He's an old dude. He owed. He owed. He owed. But yeah, I I don't know. I I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I I guess it belongs. It deserves a nomination. I would rather see Nightcrawler nominated over The Theory of Everything. Yes, I'd rather see Nightcrawler Um, over American Sniper. Yeah, first I would I would do that first, (laughs) but you know, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Or one of the ten. I mean, I know, true, yeah. If you're gonna go with ten nominees, fill it out. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Yeah. Ugh. The Dark Knight happened first of all, yeah. um, forcing them to increase it. Okay, uh, our next movie is The Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, we've kind of we talked a lot about this movie, and I think really what shines about this movie is everything I said in the the visual, uh, the the sound editing, sound mixing. Um, costume production design editing a lot of the things we've said earlier are kind of why i love the grand budapest hotel it's a really really great movie and i know kind of uh toward the end here they've been talking about it being a a possible um uh, upset pick for best picture Hmm. it's not my pick and and i don't think it will win but gosh it's a fun movie it really is yeah oh yeah i i mean i don't expect it to to take home the statue Mm -hmm. but it's (sighs) It's such a fun movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the story. It's such, it, it's so, it's so whimsical that it's, it, it, there's this, this really huge character that Ralph Fiennes plays, but it's, he's depicted through the perspective of this bellboy mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. just so wimpy and just seemingly insignificant, but he, obviously he is not as we find out, but, uh, I don't know. I th- I thought that was a fun a fun play on perspective, and mm-hmm. I loved uh, Ralph Fiennes in this. Um, and I don't know. It was just so such a fun movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like we've kind of exhausted our discussion yeah. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I, it makes me want to go back and see some Wes Anderson Wes Anderson movies. Um, like I saw Moonrise Kingdom last year. Or was it last year? Um, I mean, it just, I, I thought it was a cute kind of cute adolescent love story, but mm. wasn't nearly as memorable or whimsical or beautiful as, as what he was trying, what he, what he accomplished in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so then our last one is Whiplash. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, and I, the big thing I would say, like I said before, with the editing is it is a it's a jazz song, and it's mm-hmm. the best jazz song I've ever heard. And I, um, of these movies, it it's difficult to recommend movies. I, I guess you kind of have to customize them for for people, but. Um, uh, I'll just say, as far as the Amanda test goes, Amanda has been telling people to see Whiplash constantly since <laughs> nice. we saw it. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's the only one in this group that I've seen twice. I'll say that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I. Man. And I mean, like, okay, yes, J.K. Simmons did just such a tremendous job, but the movie itself, the story it tells about these two characters, is so. I mean, just so terrifying and and, uh intense and and says a lot about kind of a common theme throughout some of the nominees and some of the movies of last year um ambition and and obsession um that it's just it the all-consuming aspect of of the story is comes comes through so well because it's colored by just the intense battles between the between the characters and the intense uh, depiction of, um, of the music. And it's just the, the way that it just all comes together in such a, such a great way, um, is, is just really something that just carried me through the entire movie. And I really can't wait to see it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, okay. I want to see this movie so bad. <laughs> 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 I apologize to the listeners for not getting out to see it. Get a good one. It didn't have a very wide release. No, I no, went. I saw it. it didn't. Yeah. yeah, I saw it at Keystone Art. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Another plug for one of my favorite uh, theaters in the city. So, what are our picks? Yes, that brings us to the end. Yeah, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Birdman. Birdman. I'm nice. going with Birdman. Uh, but I think that's for. This isn't a hard cho- choice for me, really, and I think it's because I haven't seen Whiplash. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think from based on what I've heard and what I've seen, uh, it's kind of a toss up between Birdman and Whiplash right now. Um, um, a Boyhood, actually. Oh, really? You think Boyhood's in there as well? Uh, well, I don't. I don't even think Whiplash is in consideration in okay. terms of like the the front runners, what people are talking about. I see. Uh, which is based on you know buzz and also just what like what they have won so far. Mm-hmm. It's Boyhood and Birdman. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't see Selma, so I can't comment on that. Um, but Birdman is my pick. Yep. Cool. Nice. Um, wait, did you want to go, Matt? No, no, I'll, I'll go last. Okay. Uh, I would really, really love it if Whiplash won. I would mm-hmm. totally be okay with it. Like I said, uh, my wife is rooting for Whiplash, um, and, and she's super excited about it. It's the type of... It's the type of underdog that really should win Best Picture. When you look back and say, what was the best movie that came out in 2014? If we remember it as Whiplash, that's really not a bad thing. Um, But in terms of the one that spoke to me and just made me feel best was Boyhood. Um, And so I'm, I'm in the... In the white household, I'm I'm going for boyhood, and my wife is going for whiplash. I I really want boyhood to get it. Wow, interesting. Hmm. Um, I think boyhood will get it, but man, I want whiplash to have it. I I, yeah. I really do. Like I, I really, really, really loved that movie, and if it were to get best picture, it would just make my make my day. Um, or Birdman. 
too. I think that would be a really good pick for bird, for best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, for bird picture. For bird picture. <laughs> um, but something something just re- really quickly, just kind of a tangent. Um, going back to what I said about boyhood, about it being like kind of resonating with me as someone who's like, okay, yeah, I'm in, you know, I'm kind of in my late 20s and and you know it makes me kind of nostalgic for growing up and stuff. Uh, the director, uh, the writer and director of Whiplash is f-ing thirty years old. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, wow. Mm, okay, I need to write and direct my my <laughs> best picture nominee. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it's that just makes it an even more interesting feat. Um, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Whiplash. Yeah, Whiplash is is my is my my want for a best picture. So there we go. Three, we've got it. We've got three dissenting votes. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. Watch, uh, watch American Sniper. Get it. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be so mad. I would too. Did you guys see that, uh, that parody trailer? That was American Cupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the listeners it's so uh, funny. it's scenes of american sniper where battle cooper is looking through looking through his sights but when it goes it changes to scenes of him looking out down the sights at shots from rom-coms that he's in he's shooting cupid arrows at people and making them fall in love yeah it's uh oh, it's great link in the show notes yeah um yeah, so that that I mean that does it for our 87th uh, Academy Awards nominee showcase episode. Sounds good. Yeah. Um yeah. any any random predictions for the show like uh is someone going to get naked is Jennifer Lawrence going to run in and tell she me gonna, she going to fall for the third time in a row? <laughs> <laughs> is she going to finally f-ing call me back? <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really hope MPH knocks it out of the park. I forgot yeah. that he's hosting. Yeah, because and he will. Well, oh, he will. I, I think the only thing that will bring down the actual show is the writers and producers, because he's proven time and again that he's a great host. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah. if yeah, so hopefully he's he's good. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 really excited for it. Hopefully they let him shine. I'll put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I, I got nothing. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um. So just kind of kind of wrapping up, uh, just want to thank everyone for listening, obviously. Um, and also thank you to all the awesome podcasts that uh, contributed their clips and everything. You can find links to all the shows in our show notes. And please, please check them out. They're, they were, they're all endorsed by me and by us. Um, that's a weird thing to say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just thank you so much, guys. And uh, it was a blast. And, uh, you know. Go Oscars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Go Oscar drinking game. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So All right. It. That's it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We're throwing Thank you for the, listening. Yeah. Throw it to the pre-recorded outros. I keep saying that. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. See ya. Echoing what I said about boyhood to to a far lesser degree, it kind of eschews. Is that the right pronunciation? Eschew. Eschews. Eschew. I'm going to take that again because that's <laughs> too embarrassing. Um, echoing what kind of what I said about boyhood on a far less lesser scale. Um, it. Uh, I can't even remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> Eschew. Eschew. Uh,
As always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Thank you to Loud Like for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP is called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and Eclipse of Events. Please head over to iTunes and download their album. While you're there, make sure to give us a rate and a review. It helps us climb the podcast charts, and we really appreciate feedback. Speaking of feedback, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, and follow each of us on Twitter. You can find me, Tiny, at ObsessiveTiny, Matt is at ObsessiveViewer, and Mike is at I am Mike White. You can also check out the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, where we, but mostly Matt, review movies, TV shows, and comment on the industry as a whole. While you're web surfing, please head over to our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, where we review books and comment on the ever-evolving world of reading. If you're philosophically curious, please go explore my side project, The Secular Perspective Podcast, which is a show that explores the concept of faith, religion, and existence from a secular perspective. If you have any thoughts on the podcast or suggestions for future episodes, you can also email us individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Thanks for joining us today, and please come back. 